Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I think that everybody puts way too much into starting games and Grapefruit League games from the standpoint of the guys that you know you're going to be in the rotation, you're mapping out what their days are for the season. You know, certain guys line up on certain days. You know, defense is important to us. Put a premium on playing the defense we played the last couple of years. That's why we've won a lot of games. And, you know, Heston's uh, just doesn't have the major league experience, really, in the corner outfield. So we're going to give him all the experience we can out here. And Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I'm going to try to do every game. Being fastball dominant obviously allowed me to pitch deep into the game. A lot of early counts, uh, you know, ground balls, pop-ups, really just saving the pitch count I think is a big thing. Um, so just being able to locate the fastball I think is pretty important. And obviously somebody of that caliber, pretty exciting, you know, when they're coming in, putting on the same uniform as you. Really excited to watch him this year. You know, he can do some pretty special things. Uh, so it's going to be fun to see him doing that in Camden Yards. Grayson Rodriguez, stud, young right-hander for the Orioles. Talking about Corbin Burns, stud right-hander now for the Orioles, former Cy Young Award winner, acquired from Milwaukee about a month or so ago in a trade that cost the Orioles a couple of top 100 prospects and the 34th pick in the draft. And Corbin Burns, and Brandon Hyde was talking about it right out of the gate, Corbin Burns is going to start the exhibition opener tomorrow against Boston. But don't read too much into it in regards to what that means for the rotation playing out. Corbin Burns has pitched in exhibition baseball and didn't even start said game. He just pitched. You get your work in, there's a pitch count, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think, and Brandon Hyde hasn't officially announced that Corbin Burns is going to be the opening day starter, but he is. And yesterday just kind of, Eh, he's going to get the start and he's going to work. Corbin Burns not really, you know, overwhelmed with the assignment. Just kind of get the work in. But I think we could start connecting dots here sooner or later. And Nolan McGraw, part of our Baltimore Baseball Tonight crew here on 1057 The Fan, I think this is hopefully the start, no pun intended, of Corbin Burns getting a lot of first starts if you're picking up what I'm putting down here. Right. Well, is there any scenario now, especially with Bradish being injured, that anyone else but Burns is starting opening day? I think even with Bradish in the equation, it was a pretty heavy lean towards Burns, the guy you gave up all that capital for. Now, without Bradish in the picture, it's 100% going to be Burns on opening day. Unless he gets hit by an anvil, walk into uh, the Coyotes' Acme store there trying to catch the roadrunner. Barring an injury, Corbin Burns is going to be starting every significant game 
for the Orioles as far as the status requires. So that, and like to your point, even if Bradish was healthy or John Means, he was still going to be the opening day starter. That's what they traded mm-hmm. him for. So Corbett Burns going to get the opening day start. And as Hyde said, and there was if the visual, the question was asked, had kind of a smirk. Does this mean he'll start opening day? He goes, I'm not committing anything. But he's going to be the opening day starter. Knock on wood against the Angels coming up here on March 28th. Grayson Rodriguez also talked about how he commanded his fastball better when he went back to the minor leagues, and that helped him reestablish himself confidence-wise, performance-wise, and he carried that over to the majors when he came back in the second half of the season where he and Kyle Bradish had two of the five lowest earned run averages in Major League Baseball. Corbin Burns, by the way, was in there as well. And we all know that Grace Rodriguez, last time we saw him on the Hill, he got rocked in game two of the ALDS against the eventual World Series champion, Texas Rangers. But I am very, very excited about him, and I'm very optimistic that he's going to have a monster season here in 2024. Right, we talked about a little bit yesterday that, hey, the confidence that he showed in the second half of the season, now if you come right out the gate with that, you know, he can be an ace for a full 30, 32 starts, whatever it ends up being. And he talked about the fastball there, threw the four-seamer about half of his pitches last year, have very fastball heavy. I uh, also said yesterday he's working in a two-seam fastball. So he's going to have two in his arsenal now. Yeah, and the two has a little more cut than the four-seamer, which is kind of a straight thing. But when you've got that 100-mile-an-hour fastball, it's got natural movement anyway. But, Vinny, this Grayson Rodriguez kid, he was the number one pitching prospect for a couple of years, and we saw the potential. He had some monster starts down the stretch as the Orioles were securing the American League East. Confidence is a huge thing, man. Uh, You know, in sports, between the years, I mean, you look at anything. I mean, like even shooting a basketball, you have confidence in your three-point shot or whatever. I mean, that's a thing with Rodriguez. And, and, and then you go out there and, and then you start stacking good performances. Your confidence keeps growing. What was it yesterday, Bob? The Which one was it? They, they wanted to pay him the $19 million and you'll gain a lot more confidence. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, but I mean, Rodriguez Rashad is – Rashad Bateman. Yeah, Rodriguez is um, – I'm guessing that walking in, just like Gunnar Henderson, too, walking in this year, they're feeling pretty good about themselves walking in because, you know, they should. Gunnar Henderson was feeling good about himself walking in last year because he got that taste in 2022. That's why he was the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, which he eventually won after a slow start. But Grace Rodriguez has that swagger yep. to him. And you even in his first start against Houston, against yeah. the Astros, I mean, he went out there and, okay, struggled early, then settled down. And then the things started to go off the wire, uh, the rails for him, because he wasn't commanding his fastball. He's thrown too many maybe secondary pitches. But that fastball is the table setter. And if this guy stays healthy, he is going to be a beast. Remember, in 2022, he got hurt. That's what stopped. He would have been up in mid-22 he had that, what was it, oblique or whatever it was. And he, and even I recall Mike Elias, Nolan, going, ah, this was kind of a setback because everything was trending for him getting called up right, or, right before Gunnar Henderson mm-hmm. got called up, as a matter of fact. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that is kind of one thing you look back on last year that sure the struggles forced him to go back to triple A, but <laughs> at least he stayed healthy from start to finish. I mean, and for a pitcher, his in feelings game, got hurt a little bit. Yeah. Know? But for a pitcher in today's game, I mean, it's a rarity. You see a guy that throws that hard, that consistently to stay healthy from start to finish. Yeah, so his uh, promotion of Baltimore got delayed because of an injury. There was even talk as the Orioles were making that little run towards a possible wild card in 2022 to bring him up. Cooler heads prevailed, but he's here. And right now, he's slotted in as the number two starter, it seems, behind Corbin Burns. So high expectations, and rightfully so, for Grace Rodriguez. And we heard Brandon Hyde. Talking about Heston Kerstad, who was the number two pick in the draft back in 2019, overcome a heart problem that Raham is string injury, suffered at spring training a couple years ago. Question is, where does he fit in for you defensively? The power bat plays. He has immense power for sure. And we saw some of that last year when he mm-hmm. yanked a couple and went to the flag court and uh, such. But where does he fit in with the glove? He will not be playing first base because as you heard Brandon Hyde say, defense is a premium for this team, and let's not put a guy at first base who's not really adept at it or familiar with it or, quite frankly, good at it. We're still trying to figure out if he's good at either corner outfield spot yeah, right now. You, you know what's what'll be interesting for him, Bob? I mean, all right, he's going to play left and right. And, and But I'm guessing that the outfield down in Sarasota is not the same left field as it is here, and left field here takes some adjusting, you know. To you, gotta, you have to cover a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah. You need to be athletic, and that's why Austin Hayes is brilliant at it. And then right field at Camden Yards, you have the wall, you have to play the caroms. There's some nuances mm. to the stadium. But Heston Kerstat's here for his bat. Does he come north with the team? Colton is going to be part of the equation. That's going to be one of the storylines we're going to be following exhibition season starts tomorrow Jacob Calvin Meyer will be joining us Baltimore Sun at 1 o'clock Orioles and Red Sox by the way you can watch that game on Masson one of the seven seven exhibition games they've been kind enough to show you the loyal fan of the Baltimore Orioles next week NFL Combine in Indianapolis Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh going to meet with the media going to talk about the Ravens the secondary cornerback in particular coming up at 1030 but Give us an idea, Vinny, what's happening. What's going on in the domes of EDC and Harvey right now, a couple of days away from heading to Indy? Sounds sounds like that with Harbs, he's interviewing a lot of coaches. You know, talking to Karpovich yesterday, saying guys are running in and out of there because he's got a lot of coaches to hire. So that's number one on Harbs' list. With with Eric, he's uh he's working on restructuring contracts and stuff. That's what that's what he's working on right now and probably setting up meetings with agents is is what he's doing, you know, at least early in the week at the Combine. You know, the scouts and everybody else, they'll all be there and they'll be responsible for positions and following groups around and, you know, watching things and then interviewing. The interviews at night, uh, you know, that's – Harbs will be at those. And I think they start about 6 o'clock at night and they go to about 10, 30, 11 – and they'll be interviewing a bunch of guys every night at the Combine. You know, so it's it's an extremely busy time when you're there. It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan, Maryland, coming up this weekend against Rutgers. Keith Cavanaugh is joining us at 11.30. Talk about the commitment of Derek Queen. Can't talk about him 
Willard, who was on the morning show, of course. And then we were going to have Damon, but AT&T yeah. stands for no text, no, uh, <laughs> no, t- no talk. Uh, what, what, there was the AT&T. Somebody put like one of the memes out on social media. You're one of those young people. What did it mean? AT&T. I didn't see that. All I saw people, text uh, or something like people lining up at their local AT and T store, like they were rioting or something. But Derek Queen, that's great. Local kid stays home, yep. five star recruit. What are they going to do in the recruiting process, Kevin Willard, to bring in a point guard to replace Jameer Young? But does Maryland have it in him? Keith's been saying, "I'm a glass half full guy." That glass is almost empty. There's a leak in that glass. Can mm. they make a run here? Final four games, maybe get to 500 in the Big Ten and scare a couple of teams in that tournament. We'll talk about that more. If you want to get in, you can. It's Featured Artist Friday. Who are we jamming to? We'll find out next here on The Fan. Uh, we're going deep cut, it sounds like. It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Featured Artist Friday. Bob Haiti, Vinny Serrato, Nola McGraw, other side of the glass. It's REO Speedwagon. We know the hits. But what do you got here? Nolan McGraw. Song just, chosen by the people. Let's keep pushing. Oh, this is a deep cut. I don't remember this one. And again, I burned a lot of brain cells listening to one of their albums back in the early 80s. But they did have an album called You, you Can Tune a Piano, But You Can't Tune a Fish. What? Maybe it's off of this album. I don't know. But keep on pushing, everybody. Mario Speedwagon, you want to get in. Classic band, probably should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that thing's a debacle. So who really cares? They've sold a lot of records. They're rich, and I guess that's all that matters to them. So pick a song. We'll play it. We're going to be talking about the Ravens' uh, cornerback issues. and They're issues. You got one guy, Brandon Stevens, could be in line for contract extension maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Marlon Humphrey, contract restructuring. Maybe. And then, uh-oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and is it addressed in the draft? Ravens have the 30th pick. We'll talk about that, too, with Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Banner, at 11 o'clock. Got the combine next week. We'll get into all of that. Orioles open their exhibition season tomorrow against the Red Sox. Corbin Burns going to start. Won't finish, but he'll start. Nonetheless, Terps coming up this weekend against Rutgers. Four games left in the season. They're four games below 500 in the Big Ten they need a miracle. They need a miracle big time. Anyway, who knows? Stranger things have happened. That's why they play the games. And it looks like Tank Davis might be back in the ring here before we know it. And we'll talk about that too. But right now, let's go to the WGK Law phone lines and bring in Tony and Rosedale. Tony, thanks for holding what's happening. Hey, I was holding and I forgot what I started calling for. I do it all the time. And I'm talking all the time. No, no, Bob. Bob, that's an REO speed speed wagon line. (laughs) You know they they care. Oh, I got you. (laughs) See, you outfoxed me there. Yeah, I forgot what I started calling for. I want to talk about the Oreos. And in particular, I want to talk about, I'll talk about the role players, in particular, Mateo. But first, I want to talk about the pitching. I think the Oreos will score enough runs to be real competitive, and their defense will be okay. But... The starting pitching, I'm confident it'll hold up even with Means and Braddis, you know, not in the rotation. But I want to talk about the middle relief and the bullpen. There's a lot of things that, you know, we really got to pay attention to during this exhibition season because 
the Orioles bullpen is going to be counting on one Cano having a year like he had last year again. Two Dylan Tate coming back after not pitching a whole year. That's a huge and one a right lot, there. And a lot of uncertainty in the middle relief, you know, staff. I want to, you know, get your thoughts on how you think the middle relief is going to do because that comes down to saving and losing a lot of games, the middle relief. How do you look at it? Well, Cano looked good yesterday, apparently, in batting practice. We'll talk about it with uh, Jacob Calvin Meyer from the Baltimore Sun later in the show. But he, remember how brilliant he was in the first half of the season, brilliant enough that he made the all-star team. And then in the second half of the year, he wasn't missing a lot of bats. I mean, he had a big K ratio early, then a lot of balls in play, which is why the defense is going to be huge for the Orioles this year. I don't know what to expect from him, to be totally honest with you. I'm optimistic he'll be good, will be as dominant as he was in the first half of the season or as inconsistent in the second half, probably somewhere in the middle. But I look at it this way too, Tony. Danny Colon, CNL Perez, Cano. They have found kind of that guy the last couple of years, and I'm assuming they'll find another one of those guys over the next five weeks here. Right. And, you know, Kimbrell, Phillies couldn't wait to get rid of him. They said they blame him for not getting to the World Series, blowing those games. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, secondly, I want to talk about, I know yesterday and throughout the week, he was talking about, you know, Jorge Mateo, what role he could possibly play on the Georgie. Georgie. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know who comes to mind when I think of Mateo? Gerard Dyson, Philly Hamilton. Those guys hung around for over a decade. They couldn't hit a lick. But late in the game, you know, they could be pinch hit for by anybody, but also they could pitch run for almost anybody and Mateo too. I think Ty likes having that weapon on the bench late in games. And if you remember, coming down the stretch last year when he played only against left-handers, whenever he got in the game the last month of the season, he caused some kind of havoc, whether it was getting on base or, or you know, inside the park home run. He's a nuisance, the pitchers, you know, being on the base pads, whether he gets on there as a pinch runner or gets a walk or whatever. I think Brandon Hyde likes having that weapon on the team. Well, he and thanks, Tony, for the call. He loves Jorge Mateo. He's yes. made that perfectly clear for the last couple of years. But as we talked about with Rich Dubroff, We'll talk about it again with Jacob Calvin Meyer. There's no guarantees he even makes the team. Right. But the fact that he can play the outfield, the wheels are like his calling card. That's the key for him, the speed. But you got to get on base to utilize that. And where does he fit into the equation for the Birds of Baltimore? They could use a right-handed outfielder, right-handed hitting outfielder, because McKenna's still in the mix. Jorge Mateo. He was brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant in April last year offensively and then just totally fell off the cliff. Totally. You talk about confidence. Oh, yeah. There was 0.0 Blutarski confidence yeah. at the end of the day for him. And people get excited when he gets on base, but like you said, Bob, he wasn't getting, you know, he wasn't getting on base. And looked hapless and helpless. <laughs> at the plate. Yes. At, at yes. the plate. So, But he does bring an element of speed, and he was a brilliant defender at shortstop. That's no longer his position. Jorge Mateo has to reinvent himself, and I think he understands it at this point in time.
how many how many reserves do they keep, Bob? I think it's all to be determined right now. It's Vinny and Haney, 1057 the fan. Let's go to Baltimore. Rashawn, Rashawn, what's happening? Hey, good morning, fellas. Happy Friday. How y'all doing? Good, all Rashawn. Right. How you doing, Rashawn? Good. I'm all right. Not too bad on this rainy day. You know, Vinny follows you on Facebook, on Rashawn. I hear that, man. I know, man. You know, I you know. You just, you, you just pop up on my feed for some reason. If he follows you, I'm like, well, this well, he, I think he, he like uh, requested to be friends with me and then I accepted. Oh, yeah. Hey, I man, see Rashawn. You know, I'm like, what's this guy getting into all of a sudden? Hey, Bob, you need to be more social on there, Bob, man. You know, you don't interact as much. Yeah, last thing I do enough. You know? that. Last thing I want is a social media <laughs> pissing contest with some imbecile. <laughs> Two o'clock show's yeah. over. Know what I'm saying? If you hey, want to hang out with me, you see me at Pickles. You ain't, you ain't like Rob Long. Be getting going back and forth with people. I man. Got, man, I'm, an old, I'm, old, man. I'm an old cranky geezer. I don't want to be getting yeah, into no right. nonsense. No. <laughs> yeah, man. But I call, man. I, want, I got someone to talk Terps, man. You know, I, I ain't a big Terps guy like you, uh, Haney. You know, but um, I'm glad we got this guy to commit. Derek Queen. Queen. Derek Queen. Hey, Queen, man. Queen. So I hope, hope this starts a trend, man. We get some of these five-star recruits that, you know, that, that It's that all about home. the money. It's all about the money. Yeah, I know. And it made me think of something, too, man. Like, maybe you got more insight on this. What happened when, back in the day? How did they not throw Melo down to Maryland? Like, he didn't want to go here, or he thought Syracuse had a better program? Well, back then, ba- you know, Bayheim was a major Baltimore recruiter. Major. And I'll explain it for you. He was a big time Baltimore pipeline guy. And Carmelo was, because I was, was, I've talked to Mike Daniel forever, but uh, Mike Daniel, Carmelo was interested in Maryland. But there's a lot of politics that goes on with the AAU and the rear end smooching and having, you know, other people that you have to go through in regards to securing said commitment. But Jim Beheim recruited Baltimore like a champ. Michael Lloyd comes to mind among, and I'm forgetting guys, uh, Herman Harid, the coach at Lake Clifton now. I mean, he has long been a Baltimore advocate and it worked out great for Carmelo. He goes to Syracuse. What happened? They win the national championship, and he's one and done. And then he goes to the NBA and has a Hall of Fame kind of career. But, yes, there was interest in Maryland to what level. I don't know if it got to like they were in his final three or anything like that. Okay, I always wondered that all them years. And um, it's just it's amazing that, like, what if, like, if he would have came here for one year, you think, did we have the talent well, to also the win the it, national championship? Maryland made the Sweet 16 that year. And their recruiting class that year was like ranked in the top seven. They had Nick Caner Medley, Travis Garrison, Chris McCray, John Gilchrist. I mean, Maryland already had a loaded recruiting class. I mean, they were following up on that national championship big time. But Carmelo went to Syracuse, and it worked out great for him, and it's the way it is. Now, is it the same way with the football program? Because, like, because I think, you know, Tavon Austin would have changed that football program. We would have got him, you know. Ralph Regan was – Maryland was the first school, if I'm not mistaken, to offer him a, a big uh, five scholarship. Like E.J. Oh. Manuel down in Florida, wound up going to Florida. Ralph mm-hmm. Regan recruited his ass off. And you get talk – when we get lights out on, he'll tell you, like Mike Loxley in the early years had something to do with it, but he went to Illinois – but uh, Ralph Regan recruited big time in this area. That Maryland, there was a time, and thanks for the call, Rashawn. We got to get a break in here. Clock integrity. That they had is they had the second most NFL players in the league when they were in the ACC behind mm-hmm. only Miami. I think it was. 
Ralph brought in a ton of NFL and, players. And they were on Austin. Well, and he wound Bob, up going to West Virginia. Right. They were winning. Ralph was winning 10 games, too. Three years in a row. Yeah. Won the ACC championship. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fed. You want to get in, you can. You want to talk about the Ravens. Cornerback woes. Are they woes? Eh, kind of, sort of, I guess. Because Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams have not evolved as they head into their third year in the league. We'll talk more about that with uh, Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Banners. We'll talk Terps. Keith Cavanaugh. Get his thoughts on Lefty Drizel. Passed away last weekend. And the uh, commitment of Derek Queen. Where does Willard go from here with recruiting? He's reacting his way through his reactions. Says John Harbaugh talking about Brandon Stevens, who I guess by all accounts had a breakout season. Yes, he did. In 2023, expectations for high going into 2024. Also, Vinny, a guy, it's Vinny at Haiti, 105.7 The Fed, Bob Haiti, Vinny Serato, REO Speedwagon, featured artist Friday, Nolan's on the other side. In line for an extension, perhaps? I mean, would that give them any cap relief this year? Because no. he's going into his walk year. Yeah. Um, it would. It's something that they like to do. I, I know that, that they would like to get things done. Um, the the thing is, is takes two to tangle. Does he want to get something done? You know, he might say, Hell, I'm I'm just kind of getting I'm you know I had a hell of a year this year. Wait till next year, and then I can really hit it big. So Eric probably wants to, but I don't know if Stevens wants. I mean, if you offer him enough money, he'll do it. But they're probably right now they're probably looking for more of a team friendly type deal. He had a breakout year. First two picks of his career happened in 2023. By all advanced metrics, he was one of the better cornerbacks in the National Football League. He was their number one guy. I oh, no say. doubt. Yeah, you know what I mean? No Yeah, well, he was the only one left standing. <laughs> yeah. But it, did he improve in the I, ball I, tracking areas? That's still kind of a problem for him. I, I, I think it's still kind of a problem, Bob. I mean, because he can lock you down, but then, you know, guys will catch the ball on him. That's the thing. But he's a he's a big athletic guy, and the only thing you know he doesn't have he doesn't have phenomenal ball skills, and maybe you know um, it's more of a natural you know like Gino uh, Kyle Hamilton's got natural ball skills. I mean the ball seems to find him. He can find a ball. He's got great vision. He's got great anticipation. Those kind of things. Whereas to me with Stevens, it's just not natural. Yeah, 74 tackles, two picks, as we said, rated highly in a lot of uh, analytical areas. How many pass defenses did he have, Bob? PDs, 11. That's that's pretty good. Uh, that's actually pretty good, you know. But he, you normally. He had 11 in his first two years combined. Yeah. And he, he played a lot more, you know. Sure. Um, and the thing about it is, is people were throwing away from him. I mean, we were watching that game yesterday, the replay of uh, the uh, Rams game. Rams game. Rams were going after Humphrey all day. Uh, like, Humphrey falls down. Humphrey gets beat deep, Drop gets that a pick PI, in the end zone. And then drops a pick in the end zone. Yeah, uh, Humphrey Humphrey had a bad day. But Stevens, I mean, you could say the, about Stevens is never really had a bad day. I mean, you we never talked about damn, Stevens got burned, you know, a bunch that, you know, like we have Humphrey and some of the others, Rocky Sin and, and things. 
You know, so uh, I, I think he had a really consistent season, and he's a legitimate starting corner in the National Football League. I mean, they've got one. Yeah, which seems to be a problem as we're approaching the combine free agency in less than a month. Draft coming up in a little more than two months. We're going to talk more about this with Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Banner, top of the hour, but let's get out to the phones. Let's go to Jason in East Baltimore. Jason, what's happening? Happy Friday. Bob, Uncle Vinny. Hey, what's up? My guys, man. Hey, look, y'all was talking yesterday about Doc Rivers, right? And the way you broke it down, I closed my eyes, and you were saying that how Doc Rivers won one championship and he's squeezing out the juice, all the juice out of that lemon, and he did that on the back of three Hall of Fame players. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what, man? I, I, man and you said how he couldn't get a team over the hump currently. Man, I closed my eyes and y'all was describing John Harbaugh to a team. Well, I don't remember getting that in depth into the criticism. <laughs> I remember like Perkins was kind of drilling him was yeah. uh, Austin Rivers was sitting right next to him. But, but uh, okay, so you're saying the parallels are the same? It's uncanny. Same situation. You know, he won a championship. He won a Super Bowl. He had some Hall of Fame players, Ray Lewis, uh, Aries, and, you know, He's been, you know, an esteemed coach since then. You know, no, nobody – he seems to be, you know, with, um, you know, secure in his job, what I'm trying to say. But if you think about it, he lived next door to Eric DaCosta. Eric DaCosta said they do a lot of their football discussions from their porch. He'd be on his porch and Coach Harbaugh be on his porch. So, I don't think he's going nowhere no time soon. But it tripped me out when I hear people make the, the – um, the, the connection between Pat Mahomes and Michael Jordan, saying he's a Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Well, people forgot Michael Jordan didn't win right away. Mike didn't win a championship until his seventh year. And they showed the sports metrics where actually him and Lamar Jackson have the exact identical career path. They both had two MVPs. Um, it was just they both had the same amount of playoff appearances and losses and everything. And the only difference I see is it took Mike to get a new head coach, and Lamar still got John Harbaugh. But I was thinking, what would have what Bill Belichick, what could have Bill Belichick done with that Ravens team last year? Do you think they would have went out like that, or you think Belichick could have won it all with the pieces the Ravens had in place? I don't. I hey, don't. Thanks, Jason. I don't know that Belichick. You know, because the defense was outstanding. New England's offense has sucked since Brady's left. So I don't I don't know that Belichick would have done anything differently or better than Harbaugh. You know I, I you know Harbs. I mean it always happens whenever you lose the coach is going to get criticized. I mean look at you could say what what do you want to say about Andy Reid? He couldn't win either in Philly. He had McNabb. Then he gets Mahomes and he's a Hall of Fame coach. You know so um, just and this was Lamar's first time. Being healthy in a few years, give it time. They may be, they'll be back. They'll they'll be knocking on the door a few more times. And, and real quick, in uh, Jason mentioned Michael Jordan. Difference is, Michael Jordan when they were losing in the playoffs, they were never the number one seat. Right, they were always chasing whether it was Boston, then the Pistons, then once they got to that number one plateau, they kept or it. that level, they spanked they. They yep. won six titles in eight years and probably would have won eight in a row if he would have stuck around. Lamar's been the number one seed twice and lost playoff games at home. They'd get, I think, 
get to the championship game, I think is a nice, well, not nice. I think it's an accomplishment that we shouldn't underestimate. Yeah. Uh, ask Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> he had he went there, what, his third year and hadn't been back since. Now, Josh Allen's not getting killed like Lamar gets killed nationally. It doesn't seem like. Oh, he gets ripped. Oh. But not uh, as. Oh, because of the turnovers. Yeah. But then again, he's also kind of a one-man gang offensively. I mean, the guy taking the heat in Buffalo is now Stephon Diggs for whatever reason. If I'm a Bills fan, well, Allen's turnovers cost him game. They were 6-6 six and six yeah. because, or whatever it was. They won their, won their last four to get in the playoffs because of his mistakes. Yeah, he keeps you in. And like Jameer Young shoots you in, shoots you out of games. Their defense being unable to get stops. Is which been killing them in the playoffs. That's just my humble opinion. It's video at 80, 1057. The fan will come back, reset. We'll talk about the Ravens' needs in the offseason. Hey, ESPN people, one analyst talking to a scout saying they expect the Ravens to go get a fancy name running back in free agency uh, yeah. because it might be more cost effective, as you've been saying, <laughs> Vinny. They get a wide receiver. Vinny and Haney, 1057, the fan here on this featured artist Friday. It's REO Speedwagon. Time for me to fly. Who could be flying from the Ravens' nest this offseason? Maybe by their own accord because they're looking for big paydays. Geno Stone. Yep. Patrick Queen, perhaps. But who could be told to leave the nest? Because uh, not that we don't value your services anymore. We're just not getting the same bang for the buck that we used to get. And just reading, you know, the Todd Karpoviches and Jonas, who we're going to talk to, and Jeff's Reback, all the others, uh, Jameson. And if I'm forgetting somebody, I apologize. Everybody that covers the Ravens, Ricard could be at least a extend him and restructure sort of guy. Morgan Moses could be just a flat out seal that wouldn't want to be. I see, I think Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses is. Cheap, you know. So I think I think he's here. I think I don't think Moses is going anywhere. So uh, he's not. I don't think he's going anywhere. But what about Ronnie? Ronnie's gonna. Be, I, Ronnie I think Stanley, they're asking him for a pay cut, Bob. I, I that's that's what I would attempt to. But with Ronnie, Bob, what they say about him? He's a big NFL PA guy, you know. And he goes, uh, my guess is, hey, you paid me. I ain't taking no pay cut. Cut me then. That's my guess. And we'll get into priorities for the Ravens this offseason. And we've discussed, we just talked about cornerback here a couple yeah. minutes ago. Offensive line's got to be huge for Eric DaCosta here, if not the number one priority for him this offseason. Well, I mean, Bob, I mean, they have so many pressing needs. I mean, because you could say O-line, you could say running back, you could say pass rusher, and then you could say corner. I mean, because, I mean, I'm looking at the, the depth chart here, the corners. I mean, they got Stevens and Humphrey, and then you've got Armour Davis, you know, and you got uh, Pepe. You know, there's 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 nothing, and you can't ca- count on Humphrey. Not for 16? No. Didn't get it out. Or 17, excuse me. He played me. 10, yeah. and he was hurt, and he wasn't going to play if they won the Kansas City game. Um, so... I mean, you don't have anything. And you got no backup safeties. So, I mean, the cupboard's kind of bare in the secondary. Yeah, Darby's a free agent. Millette's a free agent. I mean, I guess Millette had a shaky beginning to his Ravens career. He but played good. Stabilized. Yeah, yeah sure. And then Rocky Sin, that was a major bust. Yeah. I mean, 
to me, whenever Rocky Sin came in, they were going after him, and he was a P.I. waiting to happen. Yeah, that was a called third strike. <laughs> that was on the outside corner. We, we, I mean, and he has b- bounced around during his career, but to your point, cornerback for sure, but offensive line, John Simpson, unrestricted free agent. Kevin Zeitler is moving to another destination. You have Tyler Linderbaum, and that's it. And then uncertainty abound, and we'll talk more in a couple minutes with Jonas Schaefer, but Salah, Cleveland, you're not a fan of. McCarry's your uh, Swiss Army knife kind of no. guy. Voorhees is coming back from an injury. Lele entering his third year in the in the league, and you have no idea what you're getting out of this guy. Fala Lele and Cleveland are perennial backups. You do not want them to – you can't win what the Ravens want to win if they're your starters. I'll v- say that. Vinny at 81057 the fan. Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Banner. Talk about all of that and more. When we return, whip around 1115. A lot of cool stuff. Tons, tons of hockey and basketball last night. We'll get into that. Keith Cavanaugh, TerribleTimes.com. He'll give us a scouting report and Derek Queen. What this means for Kevin Willard's recruiting class of 24 and possibly for 25 and beyond. Funhouse trip, Nolan McGraw. Got news from the Nets coming up at noon. Later on in the show, Jacob Calvin Meyer, 1 o'clock live from Florida to talk about the Orioles, who open their exhibition season tomorrow against the Boston Reds. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One day trades. Three cents a share. That's $3. You cheap. And one plays scratch-offs. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. If they still work here, you can bet they're in the bend. Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. Riding the storm out, man. That's what free agency is all about, the National Football League. After that early feeding frenzy, it's Vinny at Haiti, 105.7 The Fed. NFL free agency starts in less than a month. Bob Haiti, Vinny Serrato, featured artist Friday, it's Ario Speedwagon, Mr. Electricity, Joe, uh, Nolan McGraw is on the other side of the glass. But let's talk some Ravens, and he's another electric personality. He's with the BaltimoreBanner.com. Let's welcome back to the show. He joins us every Friday. WGK Law Guest Hotline. Jonas Schaefer. Jonas, good morning. Morning, guys. I feel like I got to up my energy level with that kind of intro. Oh, yes, you do. You got to be riding that storm out like George Clooney and Marky Mark in that movie where I don't 
It's 24. It ain't both. Got, anyway, Google it. It's called, uh, what was it called? Perfect Storm. Oh. That was kind of an interesting movie where he's sitting there, you know, <laughs> treading water in the middle of a hurricane. But hey, if he could swim like that, good for him. We were just talking about, we digress, obviously, offensive line, cornerback, if we're listing important needs for the Ravens, what would uh, sit at the top of Jonas Shaper's list on uh, February 23rd? In terms of just like what we the Ravens need to fill out this roster, yeah. What's the most important need right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would still say offensive line, just because it's it's you know we could be talking about them replacing four guys, um, and, and and you know not just uh, you know like there is that they are kind of running out of some a time with some contracts on the on the cornerback side. Um, and you don't really feel great about what Jalen Armour Davis could contribute over these next two years or what Pepe could contribute over these next two years, but at least you have them for the next two years. Like um, along the offensive line, not only are you staring down the barrel of possibly Kevin Zeitler leaving and John Simpson leaving and maybe parting ways with Ronnie Stanley and uh, Morgan Moses, but you know Ben Cleveland's last year is next year. Patrick McCarry's next year is, is, is a, or last year is next year. So, not only do you need to find replacements uh, in the draft uh, and, and the free agency, but you need to find long-term ones too, because I, otherwise you and I will be uh, talking about this exact same scenario next year about, you know, how they need to, to find someone who's going to have to replace someone, whether they were good or bad, you know, there is this need for, for long-term stability. I don't feel particularly great about what Salah showed as a rookie, but you know, he seems like a hard worker. Maybe he's going to make the leap. Obviously we don't know how, uh, Mr. Voorhees is going to uh, bounce back after after that ACL. Hopefully, you know he lives up to that day two, early day three billing, and can give the Ravens three or four good years. But there's still so much uncertainty along that offensive line, aside from trying to win the ball. Hey, Jonas, I was saying earlier in the week, I I I think that um, sitting at thirty, I I got a feeling that Eric will trade back. I mean, they're in prime spot if somebody's coming up to get a quarterback or you know want the fifth year option. I think they'll trade. They'll want more picks, and, and with all the needs that they have, they need more picks. Yeah, and I think the reason that they will trade back or that they will feel inclined to trade back is they probably will try to get rid of those seventh-rounders, you know, unless they feel like there is, I don't know, like a flyer-level quarterback that you want to take a gamble on because with NIL – basically depleting the, the talent pool at the back end of this draft. I would imagine the Ravens feel like those seventh round picks are not as valuable as they once were, which is not to say that they were ever that valuable, but you can, you know, find some, some decent players at the back end of the draft, but with so many guys, you know, at the back end of that day three pool, not being especially talented, um, you know, maybe be more experienced than, than promising, I would imagine that the Ravens probably look to get more, you know, mid-round picks than accumulate stuff in the sixth or seventh round just because I don't feel like there's a lot of value there. I mean, remember when they took Ben Mason in, in the Cobra draft because that was pretty much all that they saw worth taking, you know, in the sixth round. I feel like with as few undergraduates as there are in this year's draft pool, they will probably feel the, feel the same way about where exactly the, the, the most value is in this draft. Now – Jonas, I mean, we're still talking about pass rushers. 
You know, have you heard anything about like negotiation? I'm guessing that'll all happen at the combine where Eric is going to be extremely busy sitting down with agents, talking to, you know, the guys that are still out there for the Ravens and then restructuring. Yeah. I mean, that's where so much work happens. Uh, I imagine that the bulk of the work so far has just been with, you know, guys in house. Obviously, they, they tried that with. Nelson Aguilar, it worked. They tried it with Kevin Tyler. It didn't work. Um, and I, I do wonder if one of the focuses of this offseason will be bringing back Malik Harrison on a team-friendly one-year deal because, obviously, uh, you know he is not going to bring you some pass rush juice, but he was an important piece when the Ravens lined up against teams like the 49ers, uh, you know, like the Chiefs. You know, he, his ability to set the edge there as an outside linebacker and obviously flex inside as inside linebacker where the Ravens can lose not only Patrick Queen, but also uh, Delshawn Phillips. Uh, you know, I do think that there is that need to bring it, to bring back a veteran, someone's experience as Malik Harrison. I'm not going to give you much in the pass rush game, but you just need some bodies there to help fill out. And I think he's a really good and uh, you know proficient run defender. Hey, Jonas, didn't they hire Mallory as a secondary coach? But then I look up the coaching staff and he's not on there. Uh, was it what could it have been another Mallory <laughs> from Family Ties? Yeah, Alex's sister Mallory, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they haven't they haven't finalized anything with anyone. Uh, it's it's been all quiet from, from Owens Mills. Um, so there's there's I mean there, there are guys listed on that on that roster that coaching roster who are in fact not coaching anymore. So. I would not uh, worry too much about that. Hopefully we get some confirmation from Harbaugh uh, when he talks on Tuesday. Yeah. Are you going to the combine? No, it'll be Gianna. It's the first time. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be taking it easy in the, in the Maryland. Now, what are you expecting from Eric and Harbs? Uh, you know, they're going to be asked about Zay Flowers, which they'll probably say nothing. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be doing uh, any side sessions with, with local reporters like they, typically do, which is disappointing, but that just means that they're going to have to, you know, in front of a big media contingent, because I think for, you know, for, for both those guys, there'd be one of only two podium, you know, podium sessions going on at the time. They're going to be asked about the day flower stuff. They're going to be asked about the zero tolerance policy stuff. That is not uh, comfortable topics to discuss, especially because there haven't really been satisfactory answers. If you're, if you're asking me, so, uh, I would imagine they they would be front and center. I imagine the status of the coaching staff will be front and center. I, you know, I imagine uh, them, them getting asked about what happened with uh, with Jerry Rosberg might be might be something to to wonder about. Um, you know, the injury situation, the timetable for guys like Majabo, Voorhees, Keith Mitchell, all that good stuff. So um, it's, it's a lot to pack into 15 minutes for, for both those guys. But uh, hopefully, uh, the Baltimore reporters who are judging up there. Don't have stuff diluted by all the, the national reporters wondering about Lamar or the playoffs or whatever. Well, other than that, they have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Jonas Schaefer uh, from the Baltimore Banner. And for people, Jonas, it'd be hard to believe that this is even a thing. What, tell them what's going on at the Baltimore Banner, not just with the Ravens, but the Orioles and the local news. There's a lot happening over there, man. Yeah. I mean, we've got Orioles coverage wrapping up, got some. Great reviews from from folks uh, reading, reading that side of things. Obviously, Ravens is a twenty four seven three sixty five enterprise. I wrote a couple things this week about 
Justin Matabike, about uh, Rashad Bateman and why he's always open but never gets the ball. So uh, some cool film breakdowns, tables there, and uh, obviously plenty of good stuff coming next week. Jonas, appreciate the time as always, and enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. Post Harbs and Eric DaCosta. Thanks, Jonas. Thanks, guys. Be good. All right, Jonas Schaefer, everybody. It's Vinny at Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Whip around. Coming up next, what happened in the world of sports last night? A lot on the hardwood, a lot on the ice. We'll get into that. And some really cool stuff happened historically. Stay tuned for that. It is February 23rd. Keith Cavanaugh, TerrapinTimes.com. Scouting report on Derek Queen. Got that coming your way. Also, preview Rutgers. Rutgers in Maryland coming up Sunday. You can hear on the fan. Vinny and Haney's Whip. Brought to you by Box Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes. The best crab cakes in Harford County. 1057 The Fan. 1057 The Fan. Whip around here on this featured artist Friday. It's REO Speedwagon. NBA basketball. Full effect. Post All-Star break. The Wiz taking on the defending NBA champions. As you would expect, did not go well there. But Nikola Jokic, he did some special things. Jokic hand off to Gordon, back to Jokic. Jokic in the lane, and that's the easiest basket he has had tonight. That's Altitude Sports, Nikola Jokic, triple-double as Denver blows out the Wiz, 130-110. to Ninth straight loss for Washington. But the accomplishment here, triple-double, he has now gotten a triple-double against every team in the NBA. Only two other players have accomplished that feat. Go ahead and take a guess, Nolan McGraw. Oh, They're boy. both active. Both the, oh, uh, Westbrook. Ding. And one could LeBron. be pretty out. There yeah. you go. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> look at you, look at you. But Nikola Jokic, he gets the triple-double. And the uh, Wizards, yeah, boy, brutal. Hey, Kyle Kuzma had a monster game for them, but uh, in a losing effort, nonetheless, Washington gets easier for them tonight. Oklahoma City. <laughs> we'll get to them in a second. Indiana beat Detroit 129-115. Jalen Smith dealing with this back thing. He was active for last night, didn't play, but sticks. Uh, still coming along slowly for Rick Carlisle. Is Indiana could be an interesting team here once the playoffs begin. Toronto blows out Brooklyn. Yeah, that coaching change uh, meant a lot, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. 121-93, Emmanuel quickly, 24, six boards, three assists, three steals. New Orleans blows out Houston, 127-105. Cam Whitmore, Baltimore, 13 points, four boards there. By the way, Pelicans are having a really good year quietly. Yep. Zion Williams had a monster game last night. Oklahoma City, speaking of the Thunder, in a battle of the top-heavy Western Conference battlers there. They beat the Clippers 129-107. Aaron Wiggins, Maryland Terrapin, he had 9-2 and two in that one. Sacramento, they beat San Antonio 127-122. Kevin Herter, 21 points, four boards, five assists there. Alex Len, former Terp, he had four, four, and two block shots in that one. College hoops last night, men. Pardon me, everybody. In the Big Ten, number three, Purdue. Blowout Rutgers, 95-68. Maryland plays Rutgers on uh, Sunday. Rutgers won at Maryland. I don't know. I don't want to start columbo things here. But how about Minnesota? Beating Ohio State, 88-79. Ohio State just beat Purdue. Mm-hmm. And then the old Gophers put it on them by, uh, was that, nine points. Northwestern, Harmon, we're looking at you. 
They're dancing, old Chris Collins. Boo Booey with a big game. 76-62 over Michigan. Brutal year for the Wolverines. Top 25. It was Washington State, number 21. 77-74 at number 4, Arizona. Right now, Joe Lenardi has Washington State and Arizona as the only two teams getting in from the Pac-12. In its last year, UCLA is 9-6 in the league, but they they got a lot of work to be done. I mean, Maryland won at Pauley Pavilion yeah. right before Christmas there. Also, locally, it was Maine, 62-56 over UMBC. And Towson, if you missed it on MeTV, with Spiro Maricas and Jimmy Patos on the call, they take care of Monmouth, 80-61. to Or as Lanlin said famously way back when, Monmouth. That's a fish, isn't it? A monmouth. That caught me a monmouth out there in the Y River. Vinny at 8105.7 the fan. Whip around on the ice last night. The caps stay hot. Good forecheck. Kept the puck in Washington. The backhand of a score. ESPN on the call there. Yeah. Um, Levy was on the call. Um, the Kubal goal there, the cap scored early in the first, I think two minutes and something in. Phenomenal move. And it was, you know, a great start on the road. You just beat the Devils 6-2, to two and great start. And the, and the Caps, they, they played a hell of a game. I mean, they ended up they ended up winning. They got outshot and everything. Um, and they defended that number one power play of Tampa's extremely well. I mean, the Caps got an empty netter at the end. Bob, you know what's funny is, I mean – Tampa pulled the goalie with probably like two minutes, or like a minute 40. Ovi was out there twice. Trying to get that goal? Yeah, and he he got the puck, and he passed it to uh, McMichael to get the goal. You know, but he was trying like hell. Now the Caps sit at 60 points. I mean, they're tied with the Islanders, the Devils, the Caps. They all sit at 60. Tampa is the last wild card in at 65. So the trade deadline is March 8th, two weeks. Uh, I think two weeks from yesterday. So, um, McMillan, the GM from the Caps, he said he's not sure yet which direction they're going. Well, TJ TJ Oshie, as you heard during Joe's update, he went down, and it didn't look good either. I think it's a groin or a knee. I mean, it was right next to the bench when he went down, and he just laid there, and then he just crawled off the ice and then crawled down on the bench, into the bench, and then down the tunnel. Caps taking on the Panthers on uh, Saturday. Uh, that's 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 going to be a tough one. You know, the Panthers are eight and two in their last ten, Bob, and they sit at seventy-eight points. They're two points behind Boston, so that, that's going to be a tough one. But the Caps are playing good right now. Twenty-eight, eighty-one, zero five, seven. The fan whip around. Featured Artist Friday. This day in sports history, February 23rd. About 1980, Lake Placid, Eric Hyden set the world record in the 10,000-meter speed skate, won its fifth gold medal. To this day, only individual to win five gold medals in a winter Olympics. I think Michael Phelps was dropping gold medals walking out of multiple Olympic uh, games there. But individual, five, hello, yeah, I, I just just think the stamina that you got to have because you go through all those prelims and everything. I couldn't you know? walk ten thousand. I don't even know how long that is. Ten thousand uh, meters. That's long, isn't it, Norm? Ten thousand meters. Sounds like it. Ten thousand is <laughs> a big number. Right, hey, you graduated from uh, Shippenburg, Bob. That's there. a lot of times around that that round that track. Uh-huh. You know, 
1985, Assembly Hall, Bloomington, Indiana. The late, great Bobby Knight, depending on your perspective, he threw the chair against Purdue as Indiana loses 72-63. Nothing was more galling to Bobby Knight than losing to Purdue. As you go to YouTube and listen to him just go a profanity uh, lace tirade about losing to Gene Cady and that one. But the famous line, he was on uh, David Letterman. So I saw this old lady standing over there, looked like my grandmother, looked like she needed a place to sit, so I threw a chair to her. <laughs> Bobby Knight taking some humor out of that. Maryland basketball history, 1975. At Duquesne up in Pittsburgh, second-ranked Maryland. They blow out the Dukes, 103-82. Steve Shepard, the Bear, he had 27. Brad Davis, freshman, had 22. Tom Roy, 14 boards for the Turtles. 1980, Cole House, number nine, Maryland, beats Virginia and Ralph Sampson, 82-71. Greg Manning had 24. Ernie Graham had 16-10. and 10. Buck Williams had 16-9. Albert King, Chipped at 15. I remember this game watching on set. Ernie Graham almost beat up Lee Raker right there in the middle of the floor. Cole Fieldhouse. Ernie breaking out some East Baltimore justice. Because Lee Raker is kind of a dirty player. 1984, Cole Fieldhouse. Maryland beats Georgia Tech. 79-74. Ben Coleman, 18 points, 12 boards. Len Bias had 18. Adrian Branch pumped in 17. And then here you go, Nolan. You remember this one, I think. Five years ago, 2019, Xfinity Center, 24th-ranked Maryland beats Ohio State, 72-62. Anthony Cowan, 19 points, points, four boards, four assists. Bruno Fernando, now in the NBA, 14-10. and 10. Sorrell Smith, remember him? He had 14 off the bench for Old Turge. Was that his best game? I think so, because he stayed for another year, and then he dipped out. But Jalen Smith sticks in Aaron Wiggins. Both had quiet games, both now in the NBA. But five years ago, Maryland, on their way to the tournament, beat Ohio State. It's video at 8105.7 The Fan. We'll talk about this year's Maryland team. Four games left with Keith Calvin on. The big news, Derek Queen staying home. Play for Kevin Willard. And also talk about the other things happening with the program. And Lefty Giselle stories with Keith Calvin. Your sports information station, 105.7 The Fan. Video Haiti 105.7 The Fed Featured Artist Friday It's REO Speedwagon It's chosen by you the people Anything you want to hear from them Send your song request to Plaza Sport Tax Line at 410-583-1057 Got a fun out trip Nolan coming up in a few minutes uh, News from the Nest coming up Top of the hour So stay tuned for that Terps on Sunday At Rutgers Taking on the Scarlet Knights Who won here week or so ago college park but other things happening with the maryland program some of it sad some of it awesome from terrapintimes.com he's joining us on the wgk law guest hotline he's our friend keith cavanaugh keith good morning what's happening good morning guys and i'm bob i'm coming live this morning from one of your favorite sporting venues in the world can you guess one of my favorite sporting venues in the world and street wreck I'll cut to the chase. I'm at the National Prep Squash Championships up in Philly in Chestnut Hill. Your favorite sport, squash. My little daughter's competing, so yeah. I'm on the road today. Well, well, good luck with that. I don't even like squash as a vegetable, but uh, we can yeah, work with either. that I at, know, at I another guess. time. But, hey, before we get to Derek Queen, which was huge news, Lefter Giselle passed away Saturday. Keith, you've been a fan following, covering the team for many, many eons here. Lefty, give us one story that, bam, pops right to your head first and foremost. 
Well, he set the mold. He broke the mold. I can go so far back with him because I went to his summer camps as a youth. I played against Chucky when I was at BCC High School in Bethesda, and Chucky was at Springbrook uh, in Silver Spring, so we were both the same age in high school. So I'd see Lefty at camp. I'd see Lefty at our ball games uh, in hoops way back in the day. Um, I never got to cover him because I didn't start covering the Terps until the Wade years at the very and the very start of the Gary years. But obviously uh, very flamboyant, one of the greatest marketers and trumpeter trumpeteers of a basketball program on and off the floor. If you think back on some of his recruit classes, just phenomenal, back to back to back, number one guy in the country, be it Reggie Jackson, now Taylor Baldwin or whoever, didn't pan out to be number one um, in the end, but um, recruiting, coaching, flamboyance, great family man, great family. I still keep up with Chucky. So the memories are vast. We could spend hours. I'm sure everything has been said this week by all your other eminent guests, um, but clearly a legend and glad he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, when Brad Davis is like the third guy in your recruiting class, you know you're doing a badass job recruiting. Hey, Pete Holbert, let's give him a little love too. McDonald's All-American back in 1980. But Derek Queen, speaking of McDonald's All-Americans, he committed a couple of days ago. You kind of hinted that this thing was going to be inevitable after a draw out for an extended period of time so what got him over the hump and what does Derek queen bring to kevin willard's program starting next well, year? guys i've got not even including graduating seniors i have five or six guys leaving the program prematurely i have five or six guys coming in clearly Derek queen was the centerpiece baltimore kid down at montford six nine five star top 15 the good news with him soft hands very agile feet, balance, can catch, can put on the deck, can finish, can create, can pass out of the blocks. He is a three- to four-year college player, but he is, though there's some irony in this, he's a 6'9", below-the-rim big man. Think Armando Baco, who's been at UNC for 19 years. Right. <laughs> he is not an uber-athlete who's going to sky over the gym, uh, over the rim. So he will be around for a good many years, which is great. And he's got great skills, um, creativity. He's kept his weight down. So that's very key. That was an issue before. He always wanted to be here home for school. You know, obviously the whole NIL had to play out and that played out well. But he was the first peg in this class. Malachi Palmer, yes, very nice four-star pickup wing we spoke about weeks ago. Mitch Richmond-type power guard. But next up, following in Derek Queen's wake, you will see Virginia Tech portal transfer Rodney Rice, the former Bullis and DeMatha standout, 6'3", plus who's been at the last two Maryland games on visits. He will commit to Maryland out of the portal. Think Randolph Childress, Bob Haney. Yes. Combo scoring guard but taller at six three plus not a great athlete you know a very good athlete but silky smooth can score but he can also distribute so queen palmer rice and remember rodney rice's dad who was a standout at st john's way back in the day i'm so old i covered him but rodney jr started a bullish finish at the matha he will jump in and then as we mentioned a few weeks ago effie Olioju. 6'6", power, slasher, 
small forward and the mold of Dwayne Farrell. He'll come on board because he's going to reclass from 25 to 24. Now, you also want to add another portal big and another portal guard. Um, but you will have five or six rolling out prematurely, either looking for greener pastures or being shown the door. So <laughs> the overhaul of this roster is just about to begin. Um, and there are many kids knocking on Maryland's door to transfer in, including many straight-up shooters who can fill it, which they desperately need. But Queen was a great start, and others will follow in and fill in around him. Keith Cavanaugh, TerribleTimes.com, here on the fan. Hey, Keith, one other basketball. Do, do you expect Reese back next year? Um, in this day and age, many with the NIL, anything can happen. Nothing surprises me, but he loves it here. He's being compensated well, and him and Queen will great, be a great tandem. So barring something highly unusual, I do expect them back. That's good. Now, what about football? What's going on with football? We got uh, now before before that, Keith. How are the new kids that have come in? How are they, you know, adjusting? I have no idea. <laughs> I have not been out there on the football beat yet. Spring ball starts next month. You know, like I mentioned last week, some thirteen kids out there. Yeah, they only do <clears throat> voluntary stuff on their own, and we can't go out there and watch that. But I've been too busy, Benny with basketball because we have two women's basketball commits today and we have a football commit today to talk about well, as well. get into it son so go ahead uh so on the football side Vinny, answering your football question in a very roundabout way another week another commitment and the key position d tackle brahim battles a good name for a d tackle indeed 6-3-325 out of Allentown, PA, Central Catholic, another football power. He committed this week, <clears throat> three-star, you know, Temple, Maryland, Connecticut, West Virginia, others, early offers. That's their third commit for 2025. Now, on the women's side, two commitments this week for hoops. Now, bad news, Lavender Briggs did tear knee the other day. She's done. The women will make the NCAA tournament. All they have to do probably is beat Wisconsin this weekend at home, which they should. So they'll make the tournament, but down another player. But anyhow, on the all-name list, Bob Haney, Izzy Ozzy Mamadou. Can you say that backwards eight times? Izzy Ozzy Mamadou. Is or is he ain't my baby? (laughs) (laughs) Izzy Ozzy hyphen Mamadou via London Via Florida Gulf Coast State JUCO, 6'3 center, just committed to the Maryland ladies, as did top 50 guard from the prep ranks in Wisconsin, Rainey Wilson, 5'9. Both of them committed this week. So this is basically a recruit a recruiting palooza segment because we got commitments coming from everywhere. And um, so I want to give the love to the ladies. They'll make the tournament. The men are really just going to try to play in the NIT if yeah. they can get there. That's getting a little empty on you now, isn't it? That glass. Yeah. Here. Well, hey, hey, the ladies. Hey, what? think about what's been the most successful, sustained program over the last 20 years at I, University of Maryland. I'm going to lacro- one of the lacrosse things there. Well, uh, yeah, uh, they've, uh, uh, they've had their ups, ebb, ebb and flow, but um, – yeah, the ladies will make the tournament. Unfortunately, Lavender Briggs injury. But yes, the theme of the day is Derek Queens on board. That's huge because remember they whiffed in the early period, signed nobody. 
Then they got Palmer afterwards. Obviously, the spring signing period for basketball doesn't start till April, but Queen's on board. He's a local get, and he's a fixture you, know, you build around. Obviously, Maryland needs help on the front line, to say the least. I expect most of their front line guys to be gone by next year anyhow. Uh, but they'll still plug in a couple more portals um, in the spring, another big and another shooter. Meanwhile, Rutgers this weekend, obviously, you know, Game the other night, just no offensive flow, too much hero ball, too much one-on-one. The officiating, Bob, I never complain about officiating. Oh, I do. Got, that got beyond egregious. Um, but the lack of interior defense, DHS disappearing again. The rotations were bizarre. Why didn't he play Traore? And on and on and on. So, you know, this season's been a little rough, but the Derek Queen news was great. Keith Cavanaugh, com. Get back to your squash. We'll talk to you next Friday. Oh, Bob, I'm, meanwhile, I'm up in Philly. I just saw um, Mortimer and Winthrop off the set of trading places. <laughs> Begging for too. money. They're saying, they're, saying, they're saying buy low, sell high, frozen concentrate in pork belly. Um, but it's all good up here in Chestnut Hill on the main line. Watching squash, your second favorite sport next to dirt hoops. All right, Kurt, uh, Keith Cavanaugh. Talk to you next week. See you guys. All right. Boy, that squash must have been boring. He wouldn't get off the phone. <laughs> it's Vinny and Haiti, 1057 The Fan. We'll come back, visit with Nolan, I guess, as briefly as we possibly can. They get back to the Ravens, however. News from the Nash. You want to join us. Offensive line, cornerback. Should they spend money on a running back? Some people are telling the ESPN super terrific guys. That's exact. Not just a running back, but a fancy one at that. As Hyder would say, the Bobster and the Vin Man. I like our guys. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Ario Speedwagon. Featured Artist Fridays, chosen by you, the people. Anything you want to hear from them, send your request, plus for text line at 410-583-1057. Got news from the Nets coming up top of the hour. You want to join us for that? You can at 410-583-1057. Talk about the Ravens, the offseason needs. Not necessarily in order of importance, but they have some holes to fill. 22 free agents that need to be addressed in one way, shape, or form. They do have the 30th pick in the upcoming draft. They have eight picks overall in 2024. The NFL Combine starts next week. John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, are going to meet with the media and you know they'll address many subjects maybe right. and as Jonas Schaefer said an hour ago that the, the side sessions with the locals probably not going to be happening this year yeah harbs will just be well kind of like uh at uh Zach Orr's introductory press conference harbs wasn't even there yeah didn't even introduce him yeah. you know the yeah the Zay flower like Jonas made good points on all the things i mean Chad Steele was probably writing down, all right, here's all the things that those guys are probably going to be asking to get Harbs prepared. He only has 15 minutes. Both of them are 15 minutes. So, like Jonas says, you don't want a lot of national guys asking questions. You want, you know, the locals because they they know more stuff that's going on. But the Rosberg stuff would be interesting, what happened with that. Because he was Jerry Rosberg, if you remember, he was brought in, former special teams coach who retired. Yep. Then wound up with uh, Vic, Denver. Fa- Vic Fangio there. Yep. Actually, he was like the interim coach for a couple he of games. He was. He was. Then came here briefly. I saw him out at the— Then uh, didn't—and it just kind of, hey, 
he's coming in Rosberg to be what was the game management game management thingy there, and then he just went away as quickly as it popped up. Yeah, you with know, no explanation. You know what's one interesting way or another. about that, Bob, is Sean McVay just hired a game management guy from Tennessee, and he says, he said, hey. I'll admit it. He says, I'm bringing him in so I don't screw up my timeouts in the second half. Uh, you got to give him credit for for that. Yeah, you got a lot on your plate. Let's bring Nolan McGraw in. We might not have time for a full-on fun house, but Nolan, say hi to the people here. We're doing good over here. Uh, not to change pace too much, but did want to get into this because, you know, we've heard the rumblings of it this week. We talked about it with Andy Koska yesterday. These new baseball uniforms. Yeah. What the hell's going on here? I, I just brushed it off at first. I'm like, oh, how bad could they possibly be? These are just guys complaining for no reason. Then you see the pictures. They're not kidding. I mean, these pants might as well be, I mean, completely see-through. Like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue sort of see-through? It'd be better for their mobility if they were wearing nothing at all. We'll just say that. Jesus. I mean, it's just, there's. I couldn't tell you the player, but there was one picture. You could see the Nike logo on the guy's compression shorts but- under his... The thing is, it it, it had seemed as though, because the form-fitting stuff was there for a long time, who who can't forget Brady Anderson with his muscles bursting out of his jersey, then everybody started wearing like the baggy stuff. Remember the Fab Five? No, I'm talking about baseball. Oh, we're talking about baseball uniforms, yeah. right? Did I but it was every here? sport. Every sport. But baseball went back to the baggy stuff just a few years ago. And now they're trying to get back into the form-fitting things. I mean, Daniel Vogel's song with the Mets. I felt bad for the guy. Oh, Vogelback? Vogelback, yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody it, wants to see that. I mean, it's just like, dude, is that like a 5X or whatever it is? But what, I, what struck me, and I'm kind of a uniform nerd, the little teeny tiny letters on the back of the jersey. Like my, the nameplate, mm-hmm. it's microscopic. And that was one thing that was brought up. It's these, why try to fix things that aren't broken? You know why? Hey, we're going to invent these new little jerseys here for you. So you, sap fan, your monmouth fish that we're going to reel in, go buy yourself a brand new uh, Adley Rutschman $170 brand new cool thingy Nike jersey. That's what it's all about. But since they're complaining... They're going to go by the way. They'll be with the Monmouth fish, the way of the dinosaur, I would think. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Orioles play their first game tomorrow. Spring training games starting in general across the league. Just watching it in game action, is it noticeable? The differences? Is a guy going to slide into second base and stand up with a hole in his pants because they're so thin? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that uh, a professional sports league like this doesn't have the best quality uniform. Well, if they're popping off now, it's only going to get remedied, I would assume, well, in the players' The favorite. Players' Association is already uh, bitching and complaining. Yeah, it's Vidiate Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back. News from the NASCAR Fire Cell coming up at 12.15. If you want to join us, feel free to do so. 410-583-1057. Jacob Calvin Meyer is going to be joining us at 1 o'clock. And Andrew Brandt, former vice president of the Green Bay Packers, he'll be talking to us not only about football, but also some business aspects like NFL playoff games moving more and more to streaming. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Seems. On your home for the best Ravens coverage. It's time for News from the Nest with Vinny and Haney. Sponsored by Window Nation. Winter is here. With Window Nation, replacing those old windows is easier and more affordable than you think. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. 1057 The Fan. We'll look at the draft. We'll look at free agency. Uh, that's kind of a position like offensive line. Like We've got to have some good running backs. I think we do. Part of that is predicated on how guys come back from injuries. But I know we've got a great running backs coach, and uh, we'll be ready to go. Derek DaCosta talking about his running back room, which right now appears to be rather empty outside of Justice Hill, at least in regards to accomplished players. No doubt. In the National Football League as uh, J.K. Dobbins free agent, Gus Edwards free agent, Keaton Mitchell. He's months away from returning, if he returns at all, in 2024. So this is a big move for them replacing or bringing in reinforcements. And I was reading this morning in the Baltimore Sun that there were some ESPN reports that some NFL people are saying the Ravens are not only going to sign a running back, but one that could be of instant impact variety. Yeah, so you're talking roughly probably 6 to $8 million a year type guy. I'm guessing on a two- or three-year deal. And there's some quality out there. I mean, and we've talked about it all week. I think it's a you're getting better talent. You're getting ba- better bang for your buck than you would at wide receiver. Wide receiver, you're going to be paying $18 million a year. At running back, you're going to be paying $6 million a year for a Pro Bowl running back. That's 24, 25 years old. So, I mean, that's a lot better bang for your buck. And, and on the Ravens rep- website... Gus Bus says he will not be back. 100%. He won't be back. So and He I'm, said that? Gus Edwards? Gus didn't say it, but they said it. Oh. Just because they didn't reach a new contract with him. And, Bob, they're not going to pay him twice. Right. So they're, so Gus Bus will not be back. And I'm guessing Dobbins. I, I think I kind of agree with what you said, Bob. I think... You know, all I've been is hurt here in Baltimore. Let me let me get a fresh start somewhere else. I, I don't care if Don Coriel's the offensive coordinator. He probably just wants to, like, move on to another place to do what he has to do, which therein lies the problem. 
hey, Justice Hill, as good as he is, and whatever value he brings to the team, special teams, good blocker, except for the Chiefs game, it's not, not the bell cow no. guy. They no. need the guy. Keaton Mitchell, and they've been good, I guess, since DeCosta. I mean, Ingram was the guy, but Lamar's, Lamar's really the guy when it comes to running the football. But how long can you rely on that to be the case where your quarterback's your leading rusher? Here? And he's going to be 28. And, and, Bob, let's face it, he is not as fast as he was in 2019. He seems to get caught more yeah than and, he did and you would ago. like to have a running back i mean to me the team that had the biggest you know what in their running back room how about detroit last year just and they had good backs they cleaned them out swift <laughs> see ya yeah jamal williams take you in your 17 <laughs> touchdowns hit the road right. and replaced them and upgraded the running game yes, believe it they or not. did and, and you know what like jonas said you know about the seventh round picks but you know Seventh round picks to me, you know, he says, well, NIL. Well, Keaton Mitchell. I mean, that's the kind of guy you use your seventh round pick on because they were the only reason they got Keaton Mitchell was because family. Otherwise, he went to he went to sign with the Ravens. So that's what you use your seventh round picks on. That type of guy that a guy that you like in for, uh, free agency after the draft and then instead of all right, and competing with other teams, you throw a seventh-round pick on them. So, you're at the Costa. You're looking into all of these possible scenarios. And as we have seen, like, Jameer Gibbs went early yeah, he was to Detroit. 10. And then uh, the kid uh, in uh, Atlanta. Oh, Bijan. Yeah, so they, they were, like, two highly regarded and highly chosen running backs. But we have seen that kind of diminish – I mean, we're old enough, Nolan, to remember when Earl Campbell would be the first pick in the draft and transform your team from also rands into contenders or Dallas would take Tony, Tony Dorsett and take it from really good to Super Bowl champions. We're not seeing that anymore. No. Quite frankly, haven't seen that level in a long, long nope. time. And this year, they say they'll be lucky to be a running back going the second round. I mean, that's how bad the running back situation could be. So, I mean, here's the thing that Eric will do, Bob. Like, all right, if if all his scouts and everything, it comes back and there's not really a running back that they're in love with, or I'm sure Munkin's watching a lot of the running backs too, that, Eric, you know, there's nobody that is going to be better than Justice Hill. Well, hell, we better up. We got to upgrade that because that's not going to be good enough. Then, all right, what do we got to do? There's... There is elite running backs in free agency. There's no running backs in the draft. It's kind of easy to figure out. Bob, there's a ton of offensive linemen in the draft. Uh, why do I go spend money on them? You know, that's that's ridiculous in free agents. Wide receivers. There's a bunch of wide receivers. So why go spend $20 million on a wide receiver? When, like, you know, if we could get lucky, you know, like the Rams or... You know, Debo Samuel in a second, something like we get one of those. Much better bang for the buck. But the best bang for your buck in free agency is running back. And Robinson from the Rams, he was a pick last year. So he kind of had to uh, earn, if you will. But last year, real quick, Robinson went number eight overall to Atlanta. Gibbs went 12 to Detroit. 
And Probably not going to happen this year, though. No, not not at all. And I mean, you know, we're looking at. I don't even know, Bob, if they'll be on the second day. They'll they'll probably be a running back somewhere going on the second day. Mel Kuyper Jr., our friend, yeah. Baltimore, Calvert Hall. What's up? Jonathan Brooks is number one running back out of Texas. Trey Benson, Florida State. Austin Aldrich uh, Esteem from uh, Notre Dame. Jalen Wright, Tennessee. And then uh, Blake Corum, number five from Michigan. And I wouldn't mind him per se because he might be – He's not as fast as Keaton Mitchell. Right. That's that's the issue yeah. with him. But the similar speed. body speed. Uh, yeah, and there. he and, and Bob, the kid's a winner, man. You know, and he's tough as hell, and he can catch out of the backfield too. You know, I, I don't. Is, is he the go-to guy though? You know, is he the guy that can carry it fifteen times, eighteen times a game? Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. News from the Nest. No one get in here real quick before we hit the break. Get to buy or sell. Your druthers. You're Eric DaCosta. You're the Ravens. Again, it's not our money. You'll spend it as freely as you like. You going for one of the name free agents? Derek Henry, as we talked about a couple of days ago, he's the odds on Ravens or the odds on favorites to sign him now. Barkley could be franchised by the Giants. Josh Jacobs is intriguing, coming off a down year with the yep. Raiders. I mean, we I think we all agree Swift out of Philly would be probably the home run hitter. Might not be cheap acquisition, but what do you think? Draft, free agency, roll the dice. Because remember, Gus Bus, Keaton Mitchell, your top two running backs last year, both undrafted guys. Yep. Right. And I think there is enough in free agency that you feel comfortable that you're going to come away with something here. I would tend to lean younger, especially at this position. You could say that across the board, but more so at running back than any other position. Barkley definitely intrigues me just because he adds the receiving element as well. Uh, Jacobs, same type of deal. Just a matter of how much money they're going to command and uh, how much or how many other teams are interested. Yeah, I, yeah that's what's going to be interesting because I did read where the Raiders have not even talked to Josh Jacobs. So, you know, he's probably – they probably told him, go out there and see what you're worth. You know, all these running backs are probably in that situation. So, I don't see any of them coming out of the gate with a deal. Right out of the gate. You know, and the longer it goes, the cheaper it gets. Yeah, free agency starts in the National Football League in less than a month. Right, same week as the NCAA tournament, as a yeah. matter of fact. Video at Haiti, 105.7 The Fed. When we come back, how about we count our money? A little buy or sell style. Got NFL lunch coming up, bottom of the hour. Going to talk about the other teams in the AFC North and their needs. Every team in the division had a winning record last year. Yeah. Only one team missed the playoffs. That was the Cincinnati Bengals, who going into the season were considered by most to be the favorites to win the thing. What's their bounce back potential? Are you buying? Great cash, homie. Or are you selling? I'm not going to buy into that crap. Penny and Haney. 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, here on this Featured Artist Friday. Give me a minute, everybody. I'm placing a bet on the first rate at Tampa. Going with a two and a three there. A little exact. For a dollar, only a $2 bet. Got a lot going on as I'm losing money. Hopefully, we're counting money by ourselves. All right, the Dow's up uh, 138. I mean, it's over 39,000. It's 39,207. The S&P's up 7, 
I think it's first time over 5,000. That's 5,094. Um, NASDAQ's down 11. DraftKings up $1.65, 4249. Under Armour up 8 cents, 816. Buy or Sell is brought to us by the Farmer's Dog. We'll start things today in Major League Baseball, where many high profile free agents still remain unsigned even as we approach March. It's a unique struggle for the sport of baseball, and Rob Manfred has it on his radar. A few years ago, he was even talking about it, throwing around the idea of a free agency deadline that he hopes would drive both players and teams to make deals. Uh, It's not a universally loved idea, though, mainly from an agent's perspective. Scott Boris, who represents many of the players who remain unsigned right now, called it a death line players not a deadline a death line so that's his take but buy or sell bob some sort of free agency deadline would lead to better results i'm selling it i mean how much do they want yeah i mean it's a buyer's remorse issue in a lot of these cases with these free agents especially when it comes to pitchers i mean blake snell as great as he's been i mean it's not like he's going to give you 200 innings or 220 Anything like that. Coming in a little bit late. Uh, Matt Chapman's coming off a year. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think he hit like 230. Brilliant defensive player, but got a little pop. Batting average was down. I mean, what, you want the players to have the leverage in baseball? They've had the leverage for years. That's why these salaries have gotten out of control. And Boris represents the big four that are left. If I'm not mistaken, of course, he's going to start popping off about death lines and all of that nonsense going on there. No, leave it the way it is. Like NFL free agent frenzy right out of the gate. Yep. Baseball. Okay. Is it the process slowed? Everybody eventually gets paid. I mean, you think Shohei was sweating the fact it didn't take him forever to sign? What do you get, 50 mil a year? (laughs) The bleep out of here. I just don't understand. I mean, if you had a deadline... And a player like Blake Snell passed that, what, he can't play all of a sudden? I mean, what are the rules? That's just ridiculous. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Uh, Over in the NFL here, the Falcons invested a first-round pick in B. John Robinson last year, a move that some people disagreed with given the fall in value of the running back position. But what was really puzzling was the fact that Atlanta didn't really use their fresh new weapon, at least as much as some people might have hoped, Uh, 214 carries for him last year. That ranked 19th in the league. 974 rushing yards ranked 15th in the league. But he already has his sights set pretty high for next year. In a recent interview, said he wants 2,000 yards, even if that does seem pretty lofty. Vinny, are you buying or selling that Robinson will finish top 10 in rushing yards next year? I'll, I'll buy that. You know, the thing going back, if, if I'm the GM of the Falcons and my coach wants Bijan Robinson and, you know, we're taking – what did you say he went 10th, Bob, something like that, I think it was. I mean, if we're taking a, a running back that high, my first question to him before I would pull the trigger on drafting, how are we using him? How are we going to use him? Is he worth the 10th pick? You know, and if he says, well, here, you know, he'll he'll – you know, probably get 10 carries a game. No, nah, hell no. I'm, I'm getting something else. So I, I think they'll use him uh, a lot more this year. We'll go back to baseball here where former White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson has found a new team. He signed with the Marlins yesterday. One year, $5 million were the terms. And uh, Miami views him as their full-time starting shortstop. 
utility man John Birdie, I guess he would have been in line to start it short had Anderson not showed up. So it's not like he's taking a job from someone established. But we know the numbers took a nosedive for him last year. Buy or sell, Bob. Anderson will return to league average production for shortstop. Because he was way below that last year. This is a guy who's got a batting title, maybe two, on his resume. Change of scenery, perhaps $5 million. If you're talking about Tim Anderson playing for $5 million a year two, three years ago, you would have thought that was crazy talk. Now he's going to have to reestablish himself as a ball player. Had some problems in Chicago. I mean, there's been the on-the-field dust-ups. I mean, he's had some uh, off-the-field scrapes. Wasn't there some, sub- not substance abuse, but maybe some illegal things with uh, stimulants or whatnot? Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But Tim Anderson, brilliant player. But, you know, they've been a disappointment as an organization, and sometimes maybe unfairly he gets pointed at as the reason for it. So good for him, and I think he will reestablish himself as a guy for sure. And we'll close things out here with the Carolina Panthers. They're expected to use their franchise tag on their pass rusher, Brian Burns, a name that has been a part of many hypothetical trade scenarios these past few seasons. The two sides, they've discussed a long-term contract, uh, but Burns reportedly wants something in the ballpark of $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. Carolina won't go above $27 million a year. Uh, franchise tag, in theory, would give them more time to negotiate. But based on what we've heard so far, it seems like a long shot that something gets ironed out. Vinny Byers sell if a long-term deal isn't reached, Burns will be traded before week one. I'm going to sell that. I mean, they're too hard to get. You know, elite pass rushers? No way. You know, he may hold out, not come to camp, do all those things, but he's still um, a guy that you got to account for, you know, when you're playing against him. What, seven and a half sacks at least in every one of his seasons so far? Yeah, so you're talking consistency. Hey, look good in that Ravens lineup. Yes, he would. (laughs) Don't get the fans going. They're already on it. Here's what we need to do. Need to trade a Jabo away and the 30th pick for Brian Burns. And Armor Davis. And Armor Davis. And, and Pepe. take Pepe with you. It's Vinny and Haiti, 1057 the fan. We'll come back and up on lunch. Feed you some more football talk. Orioles with Jacob Calvin Meyer. Top of the hour. Live from Florida. He's with the Baltimore Sun. An insider's look at the National Football League. It's NFL Lunch. Presented by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. With Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. I'm extremely confident in him. I feel stronger about some of the intangible things um, than I did, obviously, when we first started doing business with him because I have evidence of it. Um, He's highly competitive and professional. He doesn't run from challenges. He runs to challenges. I think that's evident in the way he plays, particularly at the end of close football games. Uh, he's mature beyond his years. Now, was he talking about Ben Roethlisberger or Terry Bradshaw right there? That's Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach. He was actually talking about Kenny Pickett. Oh, boy. It's been Ian Haiti, 105.7 The Fed, Nolan McGraw, other side of the glass. A little NFL lunch for you here on this Total Request Thursday. Last season, Kenny Pickett, 12 games played, 62% completion rate, six touchdowns, four picks with sack 23 times Quarterback rating of 81.4. Second year in the league. Let's look at it this way. They're making a late season run to get to the playoffs, which they did. Yep. Kenny Pickett came back from the ankle. Yep. It was Mason Rudolph who was architect 
of that three-game winning streak that got them in to and the he's postseason. He's not signed yet. Yeah, he's free agent. Yeah, I I think where there's smoke, there's fire, Bob. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, we've heard Justin Fields is going there, Tannehill's going there, yeah. Russell Wilson's going there. Ah. You know, there's too much smoke out there. I think he's just, you know, not looking desperate. Where you know all of a sudden, because if you look desperate and the teams know it, what, the asking price is going to be more. The best thing for them is is Russell Wilson's a free agent. You know, if he gets once he gets cut, then he'll be free. Then it doesn't cost you any draft picks. Where Fields is probably going to cost you a couple draft picks. You know, and Tannehill will probably cost you a, a late one. You know, so um, they got six million in cap room, Bob. So they don't have a lot of maneuverability either. They have weapons on offense. I mean, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, that's a nice little duo, to say the least, running the football. Pickens and Johnson, volatile, complaining type receivers. I thought Johnson played better at the end. You know, I I thought he got better at the end. To me, Pickens is more volatile than any of them. Yeah, he did a little wolf in there, but he had over 1,000 yards receiving five touchdowns. Bottom line is, are the Steelers, who did make the playoffs, are they a quarterback away from maybe moving up a notch or two in the AFC North, which means, obviously, you're moving up a notch in the conference. Isn't the defense getting a little old, too, Bob? You know, they could probably use another cornerback there, I'm guessing. Corner, inside linebacker. I think inside linebacker would be kind of crucial for them. Yeah, but they do need another corner, too. Like this article I'm reading, Bob, they they say they need offensive tackle desperately, cornerback, linebacker, and a guard, and a quarterback. Those are their team needs. But what do you think of Kenny Pickett throwing to George Pickens in the future? Uh, Bob, I don't. I mean, he's going into his third year, and... I'm kind of like you. If you got a stud quarterback, you got a stud quarterback, and he's back healthy, and you're making a run at the playoffs and playing in the, and he and he's not playing, kind of tells you a lot. Now Cleveland made the playoffs. Joe Flacco. Let's just say Joe Flacco played five games and led the team in touchdown passes. <laughs> also led him in interceptions, and we saw that rear its ugly head in their playoff loss to Houston. But this is all about Deshaun Watson and what he's going to bring to the equation. Nick Chubb's coming back from a knee injury that cost him most of the season. Uh, Reading in The Athletic, he he could potentially be a cap casualty sort of player there. But Deshaun Watson, there's a lot on his shoulders. Last time we saw him on a football field, he was dicing up the Ravens in the second half at M&T Bank Stadium. Yeah, and, and Bob, I mean, they lived on their defense. But, I mean, their defense couldn't play on the road. Their defense didn't travel well. They sucked on the road. Yeah. <laughs> but they need de- they they're losing a lot of free agents. The, you know, their defensive line is pretty much gone. You know, and Zadarius is gone too, so they could use some pass rush. They they need uh they need defensive linemen, a pass rusher, safety, you know. They got 20 million in cap room, so they got they got some ability to do and their offensive line, you know, didn't play great last year. Um, Willis, the left tackle, he he didn't he didn't have a real good year, so they're everybody in the division. Bob looks like they're looking for a pass rusher and O line. 
But at this, getting back to Deshaun Watson, because he makes a ton of dough. Oh, yes. What, where is he? I mean, what player are you getting? We've seen glimpses since he's been in Cleveland. Yeah. The Deshaun Watson that was taking Houston to the playoffs back in 2020, I don't know if that guy exists anymore. Yeah. Or does he? I mean, even Bob, when he went 5-1 and one or whatever, I mean, it wasn't like the old He wasn't Deshaun. light. Not, his no. quarterback rating was 88.4. Yeah. Um, they th- For them to take the next jump and for them – you know, to want to keep Watson. Bob, what if Watson plays the whole year this year and he has an 88 quarterback rating? 84.3. Okay, if he, if he has an 84-point quarterback rating, you're going to want to dump that that cash. Ugh. Let's see, seven touchdowns, four picks. Yeah. Hasn't appeared to have been healthy. Had the suspension, which built up a ton of rust. That took him a while to get rid of that. Yep. But he hasn't seemed healthy. Not as mobile as he was with Clemson or with Houston. And he had a cannon arm. I don't know if that thing still exists to that level anymore. Bob, I don't know, like, if the time off or mentally, you know, like he's beat down. I don't know. But I totally agree with you. He is not the same. You know, like, that Deshaun Watson looked like Stroud, how he plays. This one doesn't. This one is he he flashes but he's not consistent at all so you don't, you don't ever know what you're going to get now in Cincinnati we saw Joe Burrow his final pass of the year was a touchdown against the Ravens then he had what was it, the wrist injury yes that cost him the rest of the season he's had a couple of years running where there's something that happens to him during a training camp it was a calf a lot calf. of times calves we know he can play. He's been to two AFC Championship games. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's gotten himself paid. They're a dangerous, interesting team, too. And they have some free agent stuff they're going to have to deal with. But is it fair to say maybe, Vinny, much like the Ravens, all of this depends, well, like most teams, let's be honest, on Joe Burrow's health and availability here. Yeah. I mean, why did the Ravens make the run to the AFC Championship game? Lamar stayed healthy the whole year. And if Joe Burrows can stay healthy the whole year, Bob, they're gonna be they're gonna be there. Plus, they got sixty million in cap room, sixty million. But Higgins is gonna if they franchise Higgins, that's that's twenty right there. Jamar Chase is a stud. Yep. We were talking about the top ten receivers, free agency available. CBSSports.com. Tyler Boyd came in there, not a number one. I mean, hypotheticals. Ravens bring in Tyler Boyd with Zay Flowers and Bateman. I don't even know if he'd be the best receiver on the Ravens. No, Boyd? Yeah. No. He's the number three yeah. in Cincy. I mean, he's more accomplished than Rashad Bateman, but he's been around a few years longer. But Zay Flowers is, I think, at wide receiver right now, the unquestioned number one well, To me, for like, Baltimore. first thing comes to my mind, if you go get Tyler Boyd, Bob, he's he's your three. You know, he's your no, slot guy, but that's kind of that. Aguilera. You know, I'm <laughs> Christina and Nelson. Yeah. Both of them. But Tyler Boyd, he could be saying bye bye to the Bengals. Oh, it I looks think like that's yeah, probably no doubt reality about it. They, there. They can't because Higgins is going to get 20.7 million. Then Chase is up next year and he's going to get 25 or whatever, depending on what Jefferson signs for. So they're going to be paying, they're going to be like, the Chargers were. Where the Ravens at running the ball have 
a more balanced attack led by Lamar and running backs who contribute. Bengals, Joe Mixon's a one-man gang there. He uh, he rushed for over 1,000. Four yards a carry, though. He's probably going to be gone. Chase Brown is the only one who rushed for over 100 yards for the season. Yeah. Jake Browning, excuse me, quarterback, did it too. So they uh, they send him to a new destination. And they're a big draft team, Bob. I mean, they like to, you know. Historically you, frugal. Is that fair to say? Yes. The Browns. So to spend that $60 Bengals. Million in Or Bengals, I mean. Yeah. To spend that $60 million in uh, cap room. I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I, I think they may try to save some of it for Chase next year, too. I mean, Bob, how about them? The money that you'll have invested in a quarterback and two wide receivers, you know, $50 million, $20 million a year, and $25 million a year, just on three players all on the offense. It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. We'll take a break, come back, go to the fun house since we didn't get to do it in the 11 o'clock hour. Jacob Calvin Meyer, talking to Orioles with him. He'll join us from the Baltimore Sun, live from Florida at 1 o'clock-ish. And then Andrew Brandt, former Green Bay Packers vice president. He'll be joining us talking about football, the, the X's, well, not the X's and O's, the dot the I's crossing the T's of free agency. And also, he's more of a business aspect guy, streaming, becoming prominent. We have playoff game on what? It was Peacock this year. Amazon Prime's about to spend millions to get postseason football. Sucks for those who don't have that sort of thing. Vinny and Haney, two opposites attracted by a paycheck. 105.7 The Fan. Mario Speedwagon, featured artist Friday. It's chosen by you, the people. I can't fight this feeling anymore. Get it? It's a song. Sounds a little bit like meatloaf here. Anyway, we don't want to get too carried away with the musical theme here. It's chosen by you, the people. Another hour to go. Jacob Calvin Meyer. Going to go to Florida with him. Covers the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. Tomorrow's the exhibition opener against the Red Sox. You can watch that game on Masson. Corbin Burns is on the hill. So get your first glimpse of the 2024 Baltimore Orioles. Andrew Brandt. Former uh, Green Bay Packers vice president. He'll be joining us at 1.30. Talk about an executive uh, point of view with the NFL nowadays. And also into the business side of things. And Vinny, NFL's all business. I was reading a story yesterday where the NFL probably a little bit unhappy with the new college football playoff schedule. Which will uh, kind of uh, get a little bit into the air business. Now... NFL got no problem boning college on Fridays now. No doubt. After Thanksgiving. Thursdays. Because yeah, college now, used to have big games on Thursday, remember? Yes, they did. But it is what it is. All about the cake. So, Andrew Brent joining us at 1.30. Let's bring Nolan again. Nolan, we didn't really have a chance to get into a full-on funhouse last hour. And quite frankly, not going to do one again now. But let's make it happen for our people, please. Quick draws, funhouse. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. Start with the Orioles, where Chris checks in here and says, I'm not getting my hopes up too high, but happy for the good news coming out of spring training today surrounding Kyle Bradish. I think we have the depth. To survive a few months without him, 
No need to rush anything. Yeah, he's throwing. We'll talk to Jacob in a few minutes. No pain. He's throwing from 90 feet. Then again, he's not throwing 90-plus miles an hour. I'm still thinking mid-season best-case scenario. Again, we'll play doctor in a minute. Another one from Wes and Dundalk says, I think the best combo of hitters in the infield will all depend on what they want to do with Kobe Mayo. You remember, he quietly hit uh, for 99 RBIs last year uh, across two levels of the minors. Uh, Mayo's not coming north with the team. That's not happening. The combination's going to be Westberg, Holiday, and Gunnar Henderson, I'm assuming, with the Rias, maybe Mateo sprinkled in. Kobe Mayo, as we talked about a couple of days ago with Keith Law, immense, immense power. And more athletic than Ryan Mountcastle who he's been compared to at times. So is he at the top of the list in terms of guys that would be traded out of here? That he's just blocked so much? That... Uh, we'll see what happens with old Mountie and O'Hearn here. Mountie had a monster post-vertigo stretch. O'Hearn came out of nowhere to have a fabulous season. But, you know, sooner or later, you got to start paying people. Maybe Mountcastle becomes too expensive for them because they signed O'Hearn. Again, and... it's not my money. And a couple here on the uh, Ravens going after big-name running backs. Texter here says, uh, as Bill in Bel Air says, why not go after someone like Derrick Henry? Uh, Ravens could certainly use a big, strong runner, uh, someone else that could uh, be a little deceptive there and even block for Lamar if he's going to take the ball. I don't recall Henry being a blocker. You know, I mean, when you line up in the backfield, most times one back, he's getting the ball he's a combination <laughs> of both yeah i i'm just nervous about an older a running back who's going to be 30 that carries the ball so much even in college you know he, i mean he's had a ton of kids i mean he's a guy that could you know you pay him and then boom he could fall off like mark ingram did fast yeah i think age is the number one issue here yeah. Well, that's where this texter's going here. Says that's a big no for me on Derrick Henry. <laughs> Worried that he's on the downslope of his career. Ravens should let the running back free agents come to them. They are the best spot uh, for any running back that wants to get a full workload. Uh, while they're at it, extend the Swiss Army knife that is Pat Ricard. Yeah, well, the thing about it is the running backs aren't going to... They're going to go to whoever pays them. They want to get paid. And, you know... If this was 15 years ago, those guys are making $20 million a sure. year, just like everybody else. So they they want to get their $6 million. They want to get to a second contract. A lot of teams won't go to a second contract on a running back. And getting back to Boris, Scott Boris whining about you know Blake Snell not getting a $300 million contract yet. Running back in the NFL, I guess players are waiting for a, a new guy to set the market. Because right now, the market's really, really... I mean, how many times has Josh Jacobs hit this point yep. in his career? Two of the last three years, basically. And, Bob, you know what's going to happen is this probably already started is, you know, kids are going to want to go play corner or wide receiver. Nobody will... Who's, why would you want your kid to go play running back? I mean, it's a position that they don't pay them. They're like kickers. The only guy that I could see doing that, Bob, resetting the market would be a McCaffrey, but he already signed a couple of years ago. Yeah. So you kind of lucked out there that, you know, if he was coming up on a contract year, then we could actually have a debate because he's undisputed best running back in the league right now. Real quick, looking at the five leading rushers in the NFL this year, McCaffrey, number one, first round pick. Derrick Henry, two, first round pick, right? Yep. 
Kyron Williams, who was a fifth-round pick two years ago. James Cook was what? About third-round pick, I believe, out of Buffalo? Uh, Sounds about right here. James Cook was a third-round pick, yes, out of App State. Oh, excuse me. I got the wrong guy. Let's see. James Cook was a second-round pick out of Georgia. And then number five was DeAndre Swift, who was also a second-round pick out of Georgia. So these are outside of, I don't know. There you go. Seeing day one, day two draft picks. Mm-hmm. But the value is diminished, as we've talked about many times before. We'll talk about that again with Andrew Brandt, bottom of the hour. But coming up next, let's go to Florida. Let's get some sun vicariously through. Jacob Calvin Meyer covers the birds for the Baltimore Sun. If you want to get in, you can at 410-583-1057. And then again, Andrew Brandt, former Green Bay Packers vice president, talking about vice president kind of stuff. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. At the stadium, Vinny schmoozes in luxury suites. From the left, dear, one serves from the left. Whatever's gotten into you, Campania? Amy, post up in the bleachers. You're all garbage! Yeah. The only place to catch Vinny and Haney together is on 105.7 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan, featured artist Friday, Ario Speedwagon. And we're digging deep into their archives for sure. You chose them. We're jamming. A couple more uh, segments to go. So get your request in at 410-583-1057. Bob Haiti, Vinny Serato. Orioles start the exhibition season tomorrow against the Red Sox. You can watch it on Masson. Got access to pirate stuff. You can watch him again on Sunday, too. Exhibition number two. But let's talk about the Orioles, how they've looked so far. But maybe bigger pictures sort of talk there. Baltimore Sun is on the WGK Log Est Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. He is Jacob Calvin Meyer. Jacob, what's happening on this Featured Artist Friday? Always a pleasure, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right, we are Grace Rodriguez, Jacob, coming out of the break, talking about working on that fastball, commanding it better, which we saw in the second half of the season. For him, first half versus second half, the numbers speak for themselves. But he's had a taste of this Major League Baseball life. And now that we've had injuries to Braddish and John Means, is this a guy he's young enough, strong enough to handle the load? But he now steps into the number two spot in the rotation. So if we're looking at expectations, personally, I see a strong year for him. I'm guessing he's a guy, based on his confidence, expecting the same sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, why not? He was one of the best pitchers in the American League for the second half last season. Um, his fastball command and his confidence in that pitch um, was excellent in the, in the second half of the season. And even the first half, those first 10 starts when he struggled, you know, half of those starts were still, were still good starts. It's not like you couldn't tell that, that this guy had potential and that he was going to be really good. Um, you know, it was just a couple of minor tweaks that he had to go down to AAA to, to get fixed. And so, yeah, listen, it was a luxury to be able to have Grayson Rodriguez as your, your number three starter and have two Cy Young candidates uh, ahead of him. Um, 
and hopefully by the middle of the season, by the end of the season, the, the Orioles are, are hoping that that is the case and that Kyle Bradish can return and, and be healthy. But um, if the worst-case scenario is that Grayson Rodriguez pitches the way that, you know, everybody in the organization believes he can um, and he's your number two behind Corbin Burns, this team's going to be just fine. Now, Jacob, staying with the rotation, a guy that we tend to forget from time to time is Dean Kramer, who had a really good year for the Orioles last year. As a matter of fact, we saw this uh, develop in the second half of 2022 after some rough patches for sure. But Dean Kramer, how is he situated as, again, everyone kind of moves up a notch, we assume, given the absences at least coming out of Sarasota in the starting rotation? Yeah, I think I think Dean Kramer is somebody who – is listen, not, not every start is going to be great, but I, I think, I think Dean Kramer is pretty dependable. I know the ALDS start uh, doesn't point to that, but he started both of their clinch games in September. He pitched well, both times. He's somebody that um, has a, uh, uh, seems to have a pretty healthy process of how he goes about things. It seems like he's got uh, pretty healthy mechanics and, and uh, uh, is able to, uh, go out and, and give you 30, 32 starts. And so when you look at the outlook for Dean Kramer, he's also one of those guys that, that had a, a really good second half last year. I think it was a low three ERA in the second half of the season after he, he struggled in the month of April. And so he's somebody with his arsenal. He's got six pitches. Um, he's somebody that if, if he can really lock in and, and command all of those pitches, he's going to have success getting both sides of the plate out. And, and uh, you know, I, I would not be surprised at all if you look up at the end of the season and say, wow, you know, Dean Kramer had a much better year than maybe people were expecting. Now, we know Corbin Burns is a brilliant pitcher. Cy Young speaks for itself. He'll be the opening day pitcher. Well, exhibition tomorrow and probably March 28th. Two years ago, Jordan Lyles comes in, was a big-time influence in the clubhouse with the young pitchers. Same with Kyle Gibson last year. Burns is not even 30 himself, but do they still need that kind of veteran, air quotes, leader guy? Or are they, even though they're younger pitchers themselves, are they kind of in tune with what's going on and Burns just needs to go out there and do what Corbin Burns does? Do they need it? Probably not. I, like, I think if, if, you know, they not having a, that grizzly veteran uh, at the top of your rotation, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world. But can Corbin Burns provide – something similar to what Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson uh, had. Of course, of course he can. I, I don't, he's, you know, we've only, we've only known him for a week, but he's somebody that his reputation precedes him. He has a good process about him. He has a good head on his shoulders. Um, I will say this, I, you know, firstly, if, if you had to choose between uh, Corbin Burns having Kyle Gibson's leadership skills um, or Corbin Burns winning the Cy Young award, I think he would probably go with the latter. Um, but, you know, I, I think he could, he could do both. And not even on top of the mental side, I think Corbin Burns can help some of these guys with, with their repertoire. I mean, a couple of these pitchers in, in the rotation and the bullpen throw cutters, Grayson throws a cutter, Dean Kramer throws a cutter, uh, Cole Irvin, I think, throws a cutter, and a couple of guys in the bullpen. And so you, you've got, you know, no, nobody has Mariano Rivera's cutter, but for today's game, I don't know if there are too many pitchers that have a better – uh, cutter than, than Corbin Burns does. And so I think he can help them mentally uh, with, with their maturity as a guy that's been in, in this league for five, six years. Um, and he can help them probably with, 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 with their stuff. 
Jacob Calvin Meyer covers the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. Joining us here, Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Heston Kerstad, let's get to him, was on the playoff roster last year, was the number two pick in the draft, has epic power like a lot of the young Oriole players do. Brandon Hyde talked about it yesterday. His most likely position defensively, assuming Jacob he makes the team, will be where? Uh probably designated hitter. I mean, <laughs> Should he bring his glove from Florida with him? Well, I'm not even, that's not even a knock to Heston Kerstad. We, we have not seen enough of him defensively to, to know what type of defensive outfielder he's going to be. But on this team, I think he'll get a good amount of plate appearances as a DH. If, um, if I'm picking a position, I will say right field at Camden Yards and left field when they're not at Camden Yards. I don't know if he's got the defensive prowess yet to play left field in Camden Yards. That's um, one of the more difficult outfield spots in, in all of baseball. And uh, so I think, I think he could play some right field at Camden Yards. Um, but he's not going to do much work, at, uh, if any, at first base this spring. Um, and so they're focused on him as a corner outfielder. But listen, at the end of the day, it's, it's his bat that they love. And it's his bat that's got him to be a, a top prospect. Hey, Jacob, how impressed were you with Cano yesterday? I mean, I'm always impressed by Cano. I, you, I, you could just, I could just watch that man walk, and I'd be impressed. Just <laughs> how big he is, how built he is. It's, in, it's intimidating, man. When he's on the mound, you've got him and Kimbrell. That's two intimidating guys uh, in, in the back end of that bullpen. And I think he's, I think he's a, a pretty typical regression candidate in terms of he pitched so well last season, so much better than people expected. I think they're looking at, at maybe a down season for him just because of how good he was last year. But I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case. He looked like the same Yenny or Cano to me uh, yesterday when he threw. Now, Jacob Heider talked about, you know, like we count on surprises. And is there anybody, I know first games tomorrow, anybody like jumping out yet that you could kind of see that is kind of pushing for a little bit extra? Yeah, it's tough to tell because it's just in live BP. I will say one guy that's jumping out a little bit is Kyle Stowers. Um, he's gotten a couple hits, hard hits, against left-handed pitchers. Um, for him to have that success left on left um, is, is big for him. In his case, to, to make the opening day roster, I think you could classify him as sort of a dark horse candidate because of the fact that he made the opening day roster last year. He used to be a top 10 prospect in this system. He, he is no longer. It seems like people have forgotten about him. If you look at his minor league numbers last year, he, um, you know, he had a weird season. He, he got hurt. I think he hurt his shoulder. Then he got hit in the face by a pitch late in the season. Mike Elias said that he was going to be an option to get called up in September, but then he got hit in the face. But his minor league numbers were just as good as they've, they've always been. Actually, he hit a home run in over 8% of his at-bats in the minor leagues last season. So this is a guy that has, you know, in terms of pure power, you know, he's up there with, with really anybody, um, you know, in the farm system, maybe outside of a guy like Kobe Mayo. And so, like, I think he's somebody that he's looked, he's looked impressive. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got a good arm. He can play. He, he, I think he can play left field at, at Camden Yards, which is important. And so if, if uh, they're looking to, to kind of get young, with those backup outfield spots, you know, I think Kyle Stowers is a name to maybe keep your eye on. Jacob Calvin Meyer, Baltimore Sun. Jacob, last thing for you, assuming everyone stays healthy position player wise, 
Do you see a need for a bat? Because there's still some fancy names looking for homes right now. Um, a short answer, no. I mean, if they think that they can upgrade this team by bringing in a left-handed hitting infielder or a, a DH type of guy that's going to hit right-handed, then maybe. But I don't know, guys. I, I look at this. This is one of the deepest 40-man rosters in the American League. And so you're going to have – this AAA team is going to be really good again. And so I just don't know, you know, who you could realistically go out and get as a hitter that, that's, you know, not going to break the bank. We know the concerns there payroll-wise. But it's just like I, I don't see it. I think you, you, you're in a situation where Connor Norby is, is putting up 850 OPS <laughs> every minor league season, and this dude can hit, and he's always hit. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's not even – it doesn't even seem like he has a chance to break the camp with the team. And, and Jackson Holiday's not a guarantee to, to make the opening day roster. And so I think, no, I, I don't think that they're going to go out and get a bat. Jacob Calvin Meyer, Baltimore Sun. Jacob, we appreciate the time. Enjoy sunny Florida and have fun at the game tomorrow, Orioles and Red Sox. Thanks, fellas. Always a pleasure. Jacob Calvin Meyer, it's Vinny at Haiti, 1057. The fan will come back, reset for you. Stay tuned for that. Former NFL executive Andrew Brandt's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Restructurings happening throughout the league. Hey, Derek Carr, he did a solid, <clears throat> I guess, for the New Orleans Saints. And also, Amazon Prime spending buku dollars to get a playoff game. Where's all that coming from? Vinny and Haney on your home for sports. 1057 The Fan. Particularly as you get older, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher for guys to stay healthy. And unfortunately, Ronnie, no fault of his own, but he has had, you know, a series of injuries that have hurt him, hurt his performance. He's still a talented player. I think this is going to be a big offseason for him. Derek DaCosta talking about Ronnie Stanley. And why do we uh, bring Ronnie up again? Well, we need new news. Talking about with the Ravens, for one, and DaCosta and Harbsey going to meet with the media at the uh, Combine next week. But Aaron Schatz, ESPN.com, wrote uh, today, as a matter of fact, this morning, uh, bold moves, trades, and free agency draft for all 32 teams. And his bold move for, uh, for the Ravens was to cut Ronnie Stanley. Once upon a time, first team all pro, we know the drill, signed his contract extension that very week, got hurt, broke his ankle against the Steelers, and has never been the same since. Cutting Ronnie Stanley before June 1st would save the Ravens 8.3 on the cap, but would leave 17.8 in dead money post-June 1st. Would save fifteen million with eleven point two in dead money for twenty four, and additional dead money in twenty five. So it's not, it's not an easy scenario either way. Just to go ahead and cut him because you're losing money, and as you've said many times before, Vinny, you're losing your starting left tackle with no in house replacement anyway. Right. See when when you when you do those things too, you got to say okay. Then the guy we replace him with, what's he cost? You got to throw that into the equation too. I mean, you got a high-priced quarterback. You just don't want some slappy out there protecting the blind side. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, well, I, I that's why you know the more and more I think about it, I don't think I think they'll try to get Ronnie healthy and play as many games as if he could play fourteen games for them, and McCarry has to play three. Fine. But just get him healthy through the OTAs, through the mini camp, and then the training camp. Just get him healthy to training camp. 
That's all I would want with Ronnie. Just get it. Ronnie, what do you got to do? I'd have him with the strength coaches, the trainers, get him bigger, get him stronger, you know, and I, I don't think he's a big lifter. And I don't know. I would want him to be here, you know, at the start. When they when they start, he probably won't do that either. Otherwise, Bob, if I can get a replacement, you know, if I can get a kid in the draft, then I'm asking Ronnie to take a pay cut. Now, here's some big news, NFL, and it's it's fitting that Andrew Brandt's going to be joining us next, former Packers uh, vice president. This is now record, reported by multiple media outlets. The NFL salary cap for 2024 is going to be $255.4 million per club with an additional 74 mil in uh, payment for player benefits includes performance-based pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the other day they were saying that it could go up to 250. I would think when when the teams when Eric got that number, if he just got it same time as us right now or whatever, they're they're ecstatic because I would imagine we we talked to Andrew about it too. Um, what they were going, what he thought, what he heard from teams, what they were projecting, what they were going in on, you know, to work on, you know, their plans. What was their cap number? Was it two forty five? Was it two fifty? Because if you if your plan and you were working over two forty five, and then all of a sudden it's ten million higher, you know, instead of eight million in cap room, now you got eighteen million in cap room, which helps. And then you restructure. Maybe you don't have to restructure as much, and you pick up, you know, some. Uh, ability to do some more yeah, things. And this can only be, I would think, Vinny, only viewed as a positive. Oh, no doubt. For oh, every team right now. Oh, Bob, I can remember when the cap would come in higher, we'd be high five and jumping around, be all excited. When we come back, we're going to get into that subject and more with Andrew Brandt. He's the former vice president of the Green Bay Packers. Now the business of sports podcast, bouncing around, talking to everybody throughout the media landscape. So uh, big money in the National Football League in many different ways. And it looks like bigger money opportunities, that is, for the players. Your exclusive home for all Baltimore sports. 105.7 The Fan. Vinny and Haiti, 1057 The Fan, featured artist Friday, REO Speedwagons, chosen by you, the people. One more segment to go, so pick it. We'll make it a good one at 410 583 1057. Bob Haiti, Vinny Serrato, NFL salary cap. That news is uh, pretty much breaking. Be fitting if Pink Floyd money was like the song right now, but it's not. So you improvise and adapt. Joining us now to talk about that and other business-related things revolving around the National Football League, business of sports podcast. He knows a thing or two about spending that dough because he's a former executive in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. WGK Law brings us Andrew Brandt. Andrew, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us here on The Fan. Hey guys, good to be with you. As Vinny knows so well, whether my time as an agent or team executive or now analyzing this for media, it's the off season. It's this time of year that's much busier than the season. It's kind of counterintuitive. People think that it's busy when the games are played, but for people on the business side, you know, they kind of are done with the business at kickoff. So front office by September 2023 they were on to 2024 it was all in the hands of the players and coaches that's just the way it works in the NFL 
Now, Andrew, I see that you X'd out, formerly Twitter, uh, that the 255.4, that's all very touching. But I guess there's some caveats here as well, not necessarily meaning all of that could be had to the right player. Yeah, just trying to clear up a lot of misconceptions about salary cap that I try to do every year. Um, We're going to see a lot of reports of restructures and moving cap out of the way, but the amount is really impressive. You know, I want to say that first, a 30 million increase from 224 to 255. That's all good news, but people have to realize a lot of the veteran contracts go up by at or more than a million a year. So if you've got 15 to 20 contracts going up one to 2 million, there goes your increase. (laughs) It's, It's gone. Uh, so the natural maturity of contracts soaks up most of the cap increases every year. Hey, Andrew, what were they given? Like, what were the GMs given in the December meeting? Because they usually give them, you know, you know how they give you like some type of projection, yeah. you know, so you can kind of work off of. What were they working off of? Because you know it wasn't 255. No, it was a lot less. And I think they they did that even in my time where they kind of under project so you don't plan too aggressively. I think that's strategic. I mean, I never got the league to admit that, but um, my sources were telling me it was like 243 to 245. So now they're 10 million above that. So it's a nice bonus. And, you know, we started to see some restructures. There's a report today to Derek Carr of the saints is going to get a big restructure, which means they're going to push out all this cap room into next year and the year after to gain some room this year. You would think that this increase will have a lot less of that around the league now. Hey, um, Andrew, can you like explain to our listeners because everybody, you know, Ronnie Stan, Ronnie Stanley, veteran player was a pro bowler and got paid, you know, now he's struggled and he's been hurt a lot. Um, restructure cut or take a pay cut you know how how do you handle that as an agent and you know as a team executive especially like to take a pay cut yeah these are touchy conversations um you know i ended up starting my career with green bay when we were going through a lot of well-known well-paid veterans that were on the downside Um, players like Dorsey Levins and Leroy Butler and Gilbert Brown. I just remember having to deal with these tough issues. Two things. Number one, I'm sure a player like that you have to treat with great respect. And if you're talking about a pay cut, not a restructure, actually taking less money, Mm -hmm. the one thing you have to do is be prepared to do what you say you're going to do. So if I'm an agent and I'm approached about a pay cut, The natural question is, if we say no, what happens? And the team has to be prepared to say, we will release you. Because if they don't, and they say, oh, sorry, no, my bad, we'll we'll keep you on. I mean, then you're just losing all credibility. So this is the time of year where you've got to have some tough conversations. If it's a simple restructure, like I just talked about Derek Carr, you're moving cap out of the way. That's fine. No big deal. Either side, really. You're not losing any money. But the pay cut is interesting. I guess without knowing Stanley's situation very well, I always tried to resort to the use the injuries as a way to sort of lower the guaranteed money, Mm -hmm. 
but bring him above even that money if he plays. So Mm -hmm. there will be a pay cut, but as long as the players say on the game day roster every week, he could make a lot more than he was supposed to make. That's kind of a compromise. How does that go with the agent and the player, Andrew? It's always going to be what they have out there. And, you know, we're not supposed to tamper or anything like that, but good agents know what the market's going to be if there's a problem with the existing team and they have to make that calculation. That's what agents are paid to do uh, to go back to Ronnie Stanley and say, this is what's out there. If they release you, here's our decision. Now, Andrew, talk about, tell the listeners about what uh, agents and executives like Eric DaCosta will be doing a lot of next week at the combine. Yeah, Vinny, I mean, you were in a different role, but I'll tell you this. I went to the Packers combine with the Packers 10 years, and I don't think I saw a workout. Right. Um, But I was busy as heck because I'd set up shop in our little corner of the Omni Hotel, and I'd see the Broncos over there, and I'd see the Raiders over there, and I'd see the Lions over in different parts and just running through the agent meetings. So you have agents that are always circulating sort of pumping up their rookie class. That's obvious. Then you have agents you want to meet with about these kind of things you just mentioned, pay cuts, pay restructures. And then for the good side with the agents, contract extensions. Then you have the whole set of agents for free agents about to happen in two weeks because they're out there. And frankly, they're making deals. Mm -hmm. The free agency starts at the combine. So I always got frustrated because I was not a big free agent team and I would have to try to meet with my agents of our players, but they were too busy meeting with other teams uh, and trying to get on the dance card of agents for our own players was so frustrating to me. Andrew, talk about like what the Ravens are going through with Justin Matabike, you know, with franchise tag, trying to get a deal done. When do you apply the tag or are they, because the tag has not been applied yet, are they working on getting a deal? Are they showing progress on getting a deal or they're just waiting until the deadline? I think they are. It's hard to know because some of these tags are because the team wants to rent and you can't really say that, but teams have the ability with this powerful tag that I've talked about many times to just rent the player, see if there's going to be an improvement over the year, see if there's a downturn in performance, see about injury, and make the decision next year. On the other hand, maybe they are working towards a deal. We don't have the deadline for the tag until a couple weeks. And even that doesn't mean much because you can negotiate up until July. Um, I would think they're negotiating, but again, even if they tag him in early March, that's not a big deal. They just have to hold it on their cap. But the tag is such a weapon. People say to me, even the union said this to me and when I talked to them about it, well, it only affects 10 players a year. That's so untrue because as a negotiator, when I had my best players, I always had the back pocket tag and I could always negotiate with leverage knowing that I always had the tag. And the other thing about it is these are top of the market players if their earnings are restricted, then everybody in the league below them is restricted too. So people don't understand how how weaponized the tag is. 
Now, Andrew, if you were running the Bears, running, you know, the things like you used to do in Green Bay, what would you yeah. recommend them to do financially? What's the smart move to do? With the with the number one? Yes. And Justin Fields. I mean, they're both if they have both on the team, they're both cost controlled at least one more year. And when I say cost controlled, still on the rookie pay uh, scale, even though it's high for top picks. Um, I know that's not a preferred option, but if I'm in the meetings, I would talk about that. That is an option to have both on the roster and to have them as leverage. Well, fields really leverage for trade up until the trade deadline. Um, and bring a, bring the number one pick, probably Williams, along slowly. But as much as we talk about that, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a, a trade out of the one or a trade of fields, and probably more likely a trade of fields. Listen, you, this is more your area than mine, Vinny. If you do not have a conviction about a player at that level, after three years, then that's a problem, I would think. Andrew Brandt joining us, Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Andrew, we know you're a busy guy, but, uh, but quickly, sports business-related, uh, business of sports podcast, he's going to tell us about it here in a second. Streaming with the NFL. We saw a playoff game on um, Peacock. Looks like Prime's, yeah. what, a million, 100, 120 mil for a playoff game. In 2025, the obvious question is, is this going to kind of eventually become what a Super Bowl Sunday party is going to be paying to watch said game? Uh, That's a long way off. But listen, the Peacock game this year, a lot of grousing, but everyone bought it. Yes. (laughs) We're all used to Amazon, so that'll be no problem next year. We're used to it because at one point it was foreign to have Thursday night football streaming only, and now we've accepted it. And my point there is we're going to start accepting that. So I think for a few years, okay, wild card game. And then we're going to creep into a divisional game. Will we go that bridge to a championship game and, God forbid, a Super Bowl? I don't – I would think, gosh, that's a long, long way off. But I could see a divisional round game going there in the next five years after, just like I said with Amazon, after we get used to a wild card game. And then it's just this slow creep of streaming and what's happening. And I'm, as a sports business person, I'm fascinated by this streaming app with ESPN, TNT, and Fox joining forces because that cannibalizes their own programming. So I, I really want to see what happens with that. Andrew, tell everybody about your podcast about sports business. Business of sports is where I delve into these topics in a unique way. And you can catch it on all your podcast channels. Also, the newsletter. Every week, Sunday, I fill your inbox with new insights about the business of football, business of sports, some life hacks. Just go to andrew-brandt.com and sign up. Andrew Brandt. Appreciate the time. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Andrew. Same to you guys. Andrew Brand, everybody. Super Bowl, not pay-per-view yet, but divisional round. Coming. Eh, like you said, you know, we're used to that Thursday thing already. Like it or not, we'll come back. We, we all love the fun house. We're going to visit that. That inside access, we love that too. Coming up at 2 o'clock. Sports with balls. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. 
Update, Haiti 1057, The Fed, featured artist Friday, Oreo Speedwagon, coming out with their biggest hit, arguably, of their career, going back to 1981. Bob Haiti, Vidis salary cap NFL, 255.4. That's 255.4 million, that is. Yeah, and, and I'll bet you Eric was working off of probably 245. And that'll be that'll be a big plus for them. It'll give them give them a little bit more operating room, you know, for him. And you know, like we heard Andrew was talking about, I don't know if Eric will see any of the workouts when he's there because so many agents that he's got to meet with and restructuring and things that he and contracts that he's got to try to get done. Orioles open their exhibition season tomorrow against Boston. It's on Masson. Pirates on Sunday. So we'll have two games to talk about when we reconvene on Monday. Turf Sunday afternoon at Rutgers. Well, they got a lot of work to do. And let's just say it'll afford a loss if they want to go dancing realistically. Maybe even get into the NIT and talk about anticlimactic. Or is it? Club climactic. Anyway, Maryland going dancing, probably a long shot, but stranger things have happened. Inside access coming up in a matter of minutes. Let's go to the fun house and Ray, get out of here. Quick draws, fun house. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. Well, speaking of Maryland, this texter here says, you look at the Terps' schedule the rest of the way, I see maybe one more win. Indiana at home, uh, but Rutgers and Penn State on the road are always a challenge. Northwestern, tourney ready for them. Yeah, good Maryland teams have lost at Penn State before. Rutgers just won here a couple of weeks ago. Indiana might be worse off than Maryland is right now. So one in three. That might be an optimistic way to look at things right Damn. now. Did you write that text, Bob? You, you were talking about I said that off yeah. the air about three yeah. hours ago. Because <laughs> Northwestern's going to hammer time them. Puffy pants. Uh, this one here says, I feel pretty confident the Ravens will come away from free agency with some sort of notable running back. There's just too many available. And honestly, I don't think it can go wrong with any of them, in my opinion. I'm also open to bringing Edwards back for depth. He's not uh, 100% done yet. Uh, but far from a lead guy, justice, a quality third, uh, better than most in the league when you get down in the depth chart. So I don't think reading reading on the Ravens website sounds like Gus Bus is not coming back. That ship has sailed. Let's say free agency plays out. Again, you got so many other names there on the market. Edwards kind of goes under the radar, doesn't sign anywhere. Is he a guy that... You know, last ditch effort comes back, or is it is it fully, fully done? Like you say. Well, that wouldn't even happen. That wouldn't even be a discussion for me until after the draft and see what I have, mm-hmm. what I take. Maybe we'll go to the Chargers. They're looking to run the ball more. Yeah, Giro's <laughs> out there. <laughs> you love those quotes, right? Imagine Justin Herbert. Uh, with I'm, a run I'm waiting for the uh, high tide thing to start happening there. Imagine Lamar with a pass game. Yeah, <laughs> seems to be saying the, the inverse of that. Uh, how about Howard in Baltimore checking in, says, what are the plans with Andrews and Likely moving forward? When Andrews came back for the playoff game, it seemed as if Likely completely disappeared from the play calling. Uh, despite being a big-time player for them down the stretch, they should continue to feed the hot hand, in my opinion. Well, there'll be some situations probably where they're both on a field. I, You know, by having, let's say, two receivers, a running back, and two tight ends, you know, you don't have anybody to block. 
That's the problem with the tight ends. You know, your running is extremely limited in that case. And uh, we'll close here with uh, maybe somewhat of a hot take. We were talking about Grayson Rodriguez, his potential this year. This texter says, mark my words, Grayson Rodriguez will be the best pitcher on the Orioles staff this year. That's right, even better than Burns. Hey, look, if it's meaning that he's taken two levels up and Burns is still what Burns is, bring it on. I'll still go with Corbin Burns based on track record, but the upside for Grayson Rodriguez is undeniable. Orioles tomorrow, Corbin Burns will be on the Hill. We'll be talking about that and more when we reconvene on Monday. Inside Access coming up here in a matter of minutes. For Nolan McGraw, Eddie Serrano, I'm Bob Haney. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you when we talk to you. For now, stay safe, stay healthy. Plastic smoke. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.